Hello, good evening, happy Monday. What a time it is. Uh, England absolutely smashing it in the World Cup. Fools rushing on early and a very special guest joining us as well. Uh, but before all of that, and uh, I can see uh, the, the England loving has already started in the chat. Good evening, everyone. Uh, before we get all the panellists on for tonight, let's roll the Fools rushing titles. Take Take my whole life too But I can't help falling in love with you And let's start by saying hello to three gentlemen who have had a very, very busy day today Starting with Nick, good evening sir, how are you? Yeah, hi, Fifey. Yeah, really good today. I had a great morning um, with the podcast first thing Monday, England win. And uh, now we've got an actual person that knows something about football on. Can't be better <laughs> than that. It's it's always good to have one person who knows something about it football. Always, it? it always helps from the shit we normally talk. <laughs> uh, next up, let's say hello to uh, something of a stranger these days. Hello, Kieran. <laughs> well, in theory, I'm not a stranger because Nick gave the game away. We might have done something this morning. But <laughs> going on Friday. But yeah, I'm good. How are you? I am very well. Lovely to see you as always. Uh, how did you, just, just very briefly, how did you find this morning? We'll obviously talk a bit more about it later, but enjoy it. Oh, honestly, incredible. What a guy. Um, what a person. Like, I've, he's, he's someone that I've always sort of 
loved ever since he's been at Swindon and sort of wherever he's been about. Also, the person's voice, I just find it so soothing, his accent. <laughs> you can sit there listening to it all day, honestly. Yeah. But no, it's very, very, very good. It's very, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. We certainly will. And a young man who was a, a little bit, just a little bit stressed this morning, but as far as <laughs> I understand, handled it wonderfully. Uh, after my job, are you, Rich? <laughs> Coming for it, mate. <laughs> we gonna start oh, no. doing how have I got news for you style, like hosting. Oh, I, I, I don't think I'm anywhere near on your level yet, Fifi. But uh, it was definitely a good uh, experience to be thrown into um, to some deeper waters and uh, give it a go for myself. Uh, so. Um, no, but massively enjoyed it, and it was, uh, it was well worth the experience. So um, thank you for that. And, it, and it's always good for me to know that if ever, you know, a, a future potential Mrs. Fife was to walk through the door, that I now have multiple <laughs> options to host the uh, sorry, the, the soon-to-be award-winning Fools Rushing podcast. That's like, like Fifey, football always takes priority. Don't get involved with women. Don't go there that way. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, 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 Nick knows. Nick, Nick. You can be like, right, football comes first, you come second. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A any Come potential on. future girlfriend would have to know fools rushing comes before everything. That is for sure. Fifey, Nick, Nick, Nick's known this for forty odd years, mate. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he's experienced all this. Yeah, he, um, he knows it. He knows it. Well, we've already managed to talk five minutes of absolute nonsense without welcoming tonight's <laughs> guest on. Um, but before we do, uh, Rich, there's just a little bit concerned. Are you broke now because of your name change? <laughs> yeah, um, the rights have just gone for my name. So um, I've, I've had to change it up a little bit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, Danny Wilson uh, bought all the rights to my name now. So, um, yeah, he's got his, yeah, that's it, all done. Um, it dawned on me very recently that next season will be my 20th supporting Swindon Town. So I have reached out to a number of members of that first squad that I would, would ever get to see. And, and thankfully, a few of them have agreed to appear in the not too distant future. And I'm delighted to say that the, the only person that I can think of that I've ever chanted England's number one to is, uh, is agreed to do it first. As we say hello, good evening, and welcome to Fools Rush In to Reese Evans. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. We're good. <laughs> good. Thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Obviously, got nothing going on in my private life. You're <laughs> 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 like Fifey then. Um. If I can, can we can we start the the sort of questions of the conversation right at the very beginning? We we were talking a little bit off camera there. Um, obviously, when you came, well, in fact, before you came to Swindon, let's go back further. What inspired you to become a footballer? And, and I'm always interested, particularly when it comes to goalkeepers. Why goalkeeper? It's a very good question because you certainly don't earn the money uh, that the strikers do. <laughs> but, uh... I um I, I couldn't tell you it was ever a conscious decision as such. Um, I I think you know my 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 family, my father would certainly tell you that I wasn't interested in football. Um, you know, uh, up until I mean, obviously nowadays kids are in academies of six, seven years old. You know, I don't think I played my first game until I was a junior school. You know, second or third year junior school. Um, my father played as a goalkeeper. Um, 
he sort of played local county and sort of Sunday uh, league level. Um, so obviously that was my first thing I saw my father playing goal. Um, and it kind of went from there. I, I, had, I had a lot of support from my father and my grandfather uh, growing up. Uh, my grandfather would always take me over the field, um, over at Crowley's school there. Uh, he li- they lived on Jeffreys Avenue off Wheeler Avenue. So I was always over on that field with my grandfather and with my father at weekends on um, uh, the, the, the school that, that didn't exist anymore over where we lived on Beechcroft Road. Um, so it, it, and it was one of those things uh, that just kind of developed and developed. And literally before I knew it, I'd won a scholarship to the National Football School. I'd signed for Chelsea just before that. And next thing I was playing live on Sky for English Schoolboys and, and then so on and so forth, you know, and it was it was um, a real um, cr- you know roller coaster crest of a wave through my teenage years and, I, and and looking back on it now I'm not sure that was a good thing at the time it was amazing uh, but I think now I'm older and look back at it with older with an older head um, I'm not sure being told how amazing you are you know and this that and the other from the age of sort of 12 13 onwards is is necessarily a healthy thing for somebody you know no uh, that's it's quite. Certainly... Yeah, that's that's quite interesting because I watched the Crystal Palace Academy and we've talked about this a few times on our podcast and they've got like kids from eight years old all the way through in in sort of the pressure they get put under, not only from the academy, but from from their parents as well. Some of it was bloody horrendous. And, you know, do do you think they go in too young and and don't have a chance to enjoy the game? Yeah, I mean, mean, probably something we talk about later, but I experienced it with my own son. And he had a horrendous experience at Swindon, which is, which has tainted things a little bit for me personally. Being really truthful with you, um, I haven't seen the Crystal. A lot of people that were, or I know and work with have spoken to me about it, but I've not watched it myself. Um, but yeah, you know, I think probably too young. And I think the biggest, the biggest issue for a lot of children is that their parents and their fathers probably want to live vicariously through yeah, them. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, and and I had problems with my son for different reasons because I, I kind of, I'm. It's going to sound awful, who because of who I I am and what I was doing and have done, that gave him different problems to maybe a kid who who didn't have a father that was a professional footballer. You know, um, so there's probably no ideal scenario, but uh, uh, um, you know, it's 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 a minefield. You know, it's an absolute minefield, and and. You know the clubs could probably do more, um, but it's you know the statistics. You know of, of even getting to an academy, getting beyond the academy to a youth team to a professional contract. And yeah. stuff, you know, if you knew those odds, you wouldn't even attempt it. Do you know what I mean? You know, but it's the national sport. It's the national thing, and and, and people continue to keep because it's the dream, isn't it? You know, and yeah. um, I have a lot of regrets about my career, but, you know, every now and again, I'll stop myself and I'll speak to people who go, oh, wow, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you think, well, yeah, okay. Actually, what I personally managed to achieve was more than a lot of people did. Yeah. But to me, I didn't achieve as much as I wish I had, you know. So, um, it's, um, it, it, yeah, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? And probably you could fill up 20 podcasts with it, you know. Yeah, um, easily. Really, that's the honest answer. So it's- so, so just very quickly, that um, if you could change things uh, for your son, for example, uh, what what would you change? Like, because obviously you say that there was obviously a lot of pressure on him, and obviously 
what kids get told these days is to obviously they, they want to enjoy their football um, and stuff like that. Is there anything that you personally would want to change uh, for him? For my son? Um, yeah, just, just as, uh, just as uh, an example, like... Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Cause for the last I guess for every three, kid, I guess. For every three, for the last three or four years, I've had to coach him personally, which is a whole other minefield. That, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. How, how old is he, Reese? You know, because uh, it's 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 a strain on on that father and son relationship. But going back to when he was, so he's he was playing at a tournament, the Kingsdown School, um, as a, a six seven year old. We got approached by what was a Swindon scout. We'd love to see Louis up at Swindon, and 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 I looked at my dad, and I was like, no, I'm not sure about this. You know what I mean? Because of a multitude of reasons. Anyway, obviously we 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 put it to Louis. You know, and he said, no, no, I want to, you know, as any kid would, you know, yeah, I want to do it, I want to do it. And it, and it, and it, it started a chain of events that, that, that really were, were, were awful, to be honest with you. And it caused a lot of strain within our family unit, his mum, me and Louis, um, because I think ultimately it's difficult for Louis because he's got me on the sideline. I always tried to remain quiet and respectful. I never shouted on if anything on at him or tried to coach him from the sideline. But we had instances of things happening where he was playing in one game up at Womborough at the training ground and um, he, he, he'd done something that wasn't quite like what it was. I think it was a clearance or something like that. And he made a bit of a mistake. And he looked at me and I just went, just relax, don't worry. And that was all I did, a gesture like that. and didn't say anything, just said, don't worry. And the guy who was taking the team on the other side of the pitch shouted across the pitch, Louis, Louis, don't worry about your dad. I'm the most important person out here. And wow. this obviously the other parents. I swear to God, if I could have run across that pitch and throttled him, I would have done. You know? <laughs> <laughs> his his, his mum grabbed my arm at the time because she obviously knew that my blood was boiling. And I just felt a, a it was it was really awful for him, you know, because it, it highlighted that a number of things and it was disrespectful to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because whatever you think of me as a person or as a goalkeeper, whatever it is, you know, when I played for Swindon, I, I try, you know, I always made sure I try to give my hundred percent, you know, and whether you agree with that or not, you know, so for somebody to do that, I wasn't signed that this was obviously years after I'd left Swindon, you know? Yeah. Um, and then he went through this bullying phase where he was bullied by another child. Um, and uh, they just didn't deal with it. They did not deal with it, you know, and there, there always seemed to be a bit of an issue um, for him at the club, you know, so it's, and I, I then, and I regret this, I then kind of, then kind of spoke about it on Twitter and looking back, I regret that. Um, but I think it just shows that, you know, even though I am from a footballing background, the, the pressures that I saw my son put under affected me, do you know what I mean? And made me really angry, you know, and he, what he, I think it's like anything, any, any walk of life, any industry, business, sport, team, you have to create a culture and a set of values that are all aligned together to help you achieve the ultimate game, you know. And I felt at Swindon's Academy at that time, there were too many individual agendas going on. There was, there was too much sort of one-upmanship, almost like trying to make a point at times. Um, and ultimately, my son was the victim of that, you know. Um, and obviously, loads of kids have bad experience at academies, and he's not mm. alone in that in that experience, you know. But I, I, I have to say, I, I, I was very disappointed with it at the time, and, and remain so, you know. Um, he then, 
unfortunately was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, has stepped away from football for a couple of years um, and tried other sports and, and whatever, you know. Um, but then said to me that he wanted to give golf a go again and could he come and train with me? I'd started working at Supermarine. Um, and, we, and we did that, you know, and it, it's been a... It's been a tough three or four years, and he's done fantastically well. Mm. He's improved immeasurably, you know, but he lost a couple of years. Um, and I, I have no doubt if he hadn't have done that and had some good coaching and somebody with professional experience, I know that he would be at a professional club. Now he's not, so that's that's fine. Um, but it, what it's meant is I've had to coach him, and that's been really difficult for both of us, you know. Um, tears for him. Some tears for me when I've got in the car and driven away sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, because, you know, he's not my son when we're there. Do you know what I mean? He's another goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and uh, I try and coach as though I, how I wish I'd been coached. And I think that's how I approach it. You know, I, I, I wish somebody had been a lot more honest with me when I was 15, 16, 17, 18 and spoke a lot more directly to me and they didn't. And I think I'm the, I'm the, the worst for it, you know. Um, so I mean, I'm immensely proud of what he's achieved in the, in the last few years, but I, I would like to hand him over to somebody else now, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. so that, that, that is the aim, uh, and, and that might not happen and, that, and that's fine. That, you know, that, that's, that's fine. As long as he and I can look at each other and say, well, we gave it, gave it our best shot and he gave it his best shot, you know, that's all you I think the pressure, the pressures of, a of being in an academy as well, I, I'm a coach as well, and I've, um, seen many of uh the players that i've either coached or people that i know have gone into academies and i've heard so many stories very similar to uh what your son experienced reese as well but um not only going into an academy but also um from a goalkeeping perspective as well obviously it's probably the well it's not probably it is the most isolating position on the on the football pitch so that comes as a pressure itself so um to have the academy and then to have um, that particular position as well. That's not many. I haven't heard many cases of this. Most of the players that I know have been outfield players, either midfield or striker. But yeah, no, it's quite it's quite refreshing to obviously hear of, from a goalkeeping point of view and what the pressures were from um, from that academy uh, I, point of view yeah. as well. I, I, I mean, and I've I've said this. I've been asked to do various podcasts over the years, and um, you're getting me on my soapbox a little bit here because it's something I'm passionate about. You may better tell in my voice, but. Um, you know, what we were hoping for. You know, goalkeeper for me is very specialist, very specialist. And yeah. what I find really frustrating um, is that the clubs and organisations, my son spent the last couple of years at Hartbury College of Gloucestershire. And yeah. they've, got, they've got a fantastic reputation on the face of it, you know. But I have to say, I was extremely disappointed with what I saw there and the experience that my son had, you know. They say they've got specialist goalkeeper coaching, but the guy who comes in to take the goalkeepers has never been a goalkeeper. He's a, he's a centre-half that has done the badges. And I, and I cannot understand that, you know, because, you know, goalkeeping is as much about psychological as anything, you know what I mean? And if you, for me, the analogy I would use is, you imagine that you're somebody who likes to go go-karting. You go go-karting, you spend hours go-karting, and you go and do a load of courses, you spend a load of money, which fair play, and you've done, you've done what would there be their badges, their coaching it, qualifications. You wouldn't expect to then go and coach somebody like Lewis Hamilton or Nick, you know, Verstappen, would you? You know, you wouldn't, they would go, you know, but we do that in football. You know, we do that in football. We allow people who have not necessarily, you know, and that might sound elitist, and, and I'm not going to apologise for that, but, you know, we wonder why we have a goalkeeper problem in this country. You know, unless, 
you're somebody who has played the position and has experienced it. And I think the most crucial thing is you've made a mistake. You've made a yeah. mistake in front of you know a few hundred people, a few thousand people, and you know what that moment feels like and how that makes you feel. Because I guarantee if you knew that, you would change your approach to the way you coached and the way you spoke to goalkeepers. Um, and, 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 and that's going to be very difficult to manage that. And I understand that comes with a value and a cost. But if we really want to produce goalkeepers going forward in this country, I think it's something that has to be addressed. You know, And somebody, people that are coaching need to have some sort of decent senior level experience of playing as a goalkeeper. Because unless you've got that, you haven't got the empathy or the understanding to be able to verbalise that, I don't think, you know. So that, that's my personal opinion, and that won't be for everybody, but it's something I feel quite strong about, having seen it firsthand with my own son, you know, and other young goalkeepers. Um, we are obviously live, and there is a live chat where, where people can send comments, and, and we have... We have friends yeah. who are not all necessarily Swindon fans, so so forgive me a minute for taking a complete sidestep, but uh, I think we all know who this is, uh, uh, except for you, obviously, Reese. Uh, this will be from Liam. He's a, he's a Bradford fan. He also hosts a podcast. Uh, first, he yeah. asks, uh, hi, Reese. Bradford better than Swindon, right? Yeah. I like to say, you know, um, as, a, as a Swindon person, I used to, I could see the county ground from my bedroom uh i lived uh in the second part of my childhood on headlands grove so i could see the floodlights from my bedroom window so for somebody that to be able to play there and end up you know and, and people have scorned this that i because i won player of the year we got relegated but for me i have a cabinet over there with my player of the year trophies in it you know and they're very special to me um having said that um my season at bradford was one of my favorites because uh, the fans, I thought, were fan genuinely thought, thought they were fantastic. Um, you know, 13,000 fans every home game. Um, and I would have loved to have stayed there. I couldn't because the chairman was a bit of an arsehole and we didn't have the money. The game got called off live on Sky. Anybody on more than a certain amount of money a week had to go. I had Nigel Martin as my goalkeeper coach. And I think as a family, our family unit, my son, my, my, my ex-wife, you know, his, my son's mother and me, I would say that's when we were probably our happiest, in my opinion. You know, we lived in the countryside. Nobody, nobody knew who I was or bothered me, us as a fan. It was great, you know. Um, fantastic stadium. And what I always remember is the season after, I think it was, I went back with South End, And I had to go and warm up at one point because I was on the bench, uh, which was a sore point for me. And as I ran down the touchdown, all the crowd behind the goal stood up and applauded me, you know, and I, I'll never forget that, you know, that was something very special to me, you know. So um, I, I can't put Bradford ahead of Swindon, obviously. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're up there somewhere. They're, they're, they're right up there, yeah. Right up well, there. he's gone on to, to make a couple of other comments on what you were just saying. Uh, he says, yeah, he's not there anymore. He did some questionable stuff. I'm presuming that's in relation to the chairman. Um, he does go on to ask, though, on a more serious note, uh, do you remember your save versus Rotherham? And is it the best save you've ever made? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of the few that I remember. I have a terrible memory for games. And I like sometimes stuff will flash up. Um, and I'll go, I can't remember that game. You know, it's weird. Um, but yeah, I, that's up there. That's one that I tell people about, put it that way. <laughs> nice nice good um so let's carry on through the journey then and and obviously 
you, you've all, you kind of mentioned it already, but you, you were in the youth team at Chelsea and we were talking just before you came on. Um, you, we were looking through sort of players that would have been in the same kind of age category as you and there were some players about. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, my, my youth team age group at Chelsea, I don't think anybody else went on to play professionally. Um, and you have to remember that Chelsea were not the club they are now. I no. left and Abramovich turned up, I think, three weeks later, you know. So that's the <laughs> time. I was um, what, what, what really killed me was, was Ranieri. You know, that was a disaster for me when he turned up with his Italian goalkeeper coach. Um, that was not a, a marriage made in heaven by any stretch. Um, and obviously, because at that point, you know, I thought I was the, I thought I was the dog's bollocks, you know, because I was playing every England youth level, playing for Chelsea. I'd won Chelsea Young Player of the Year. And then this Italian guy turns out and tells me all of my techniques are basically a load of rubbish, you know, and I need to be doing this and somersaults and forward rolls <laughs> here, there. Um, and, and, I, and being the stubborn, arrogant young lad I was, um, I was like, no, like, do you know what I mean? Which, obviously, in hindsight, maybe wasn't the best of things to do. Um <laughs> But, you know, I, I'd, I'd be there with him. I'd go away with England and obviously with the England goalkeeper coach. I'd be going, I'm going, this is what he's making. They're going, what? Right. I'm going, yeah, this is, what he, this is what he's making me do. And I'm going, oh, my God. Like, you know, so I had that going on at the same time. And I just knew it was detrimental to my development because I'd, I'd been told that when I first joined there and Viali was the manager and I had Eddie Nitreski as my goalkeeper coach, um, that there was like this plan in place for me, you know, my development. Um and that obviously all just went out the window. And, and yeah, it's, it, I, it's one of those things. I look back at key, there's a couple of key moments, I think, in my career. And that's one of them that probably set it on a, on a path that was, was, was a detriment to me. You know? Okay. And then when you, it did come to the time of, of leaving and, and obviously arriving at Swindon, it was suggested at least to, in, in the papers and stuff, as, as people would have read then, that there was, links elsewhere so was it purely that it was the hometown club that that convinced you to to come to Swindon at the time yeah and a phone call from Fraser Digby basically um I'd um I'd spoken to uh three premiership clubs um some championship clubs and the message I was getting from people that I trusted and valued their opinions that get playing you know get playing you know if you go to one of these premiership clubs you're going to sit there for another three years you might play the odd FA Cup game or whatever and yeah. But get out there, get playing, you know, and the cream rises and all this sort of stuff, you know. So, that, yeah, okay. And I'd met Fraser um, at QPR. I'd been on loan. And obviously, Fraser was like, you know, I'd grown up watching Fraser. So, to yeah. now have Fraser's phone number in my phone as somebody that I would, you know, I knew, do you know what I mean, was, was mm -hmm. brilliant. You know? um, amazing for me personally. Um, and, he, and he phoned me and he said, you know, what do you think about Swindon? And I sort of said, okay. And obviously, I hadn't even considered it, you know. Um, wasn't on my... On, on my on my wavelength as such, you know. Um, and I spoke to Fraser and I spoke to Mark Devlin. Um, but what I failed to do was speak to Andy King. Um, and this then became a problem further down the line, you know. So, um, yeah, and, and it all kind of like, to me at the time, it made sense. You know, my, my, um, my son hadn't been born. He was due in the November. This was like the June, July. Come home. I've been away from home since the age of 14. Uh, I was now 21, you know, baby's due, um, got family around me, friends around me. I can, I can come home as, as such to Swindon and hopefully I'll have all that local support. It'll, you know, drive me on, blah, 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 blah. 
all well and good. And probably if you if if you'd have, if the Brighton game had ended ninety seconds earlier, that would have been really well thought out, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Those last ninety seconds happened, and it didn't quite work out. So, you know, it, it, it's you know, it's like anything in life, isn't it? I'm sure you've all been the same. There's moments where you have these decisions to make, and you try and make it with the, the the best information available to you, and you weigh it all yeah. up. And I weighed it up, and it certainly wasn't a financial decision because I can assure you, I was offered considerably more <laughs> of these other clubs, you know. But you know, my plan, and you know, maybe arrogance. I backed myself, so well, you know, I'll get playing, I'll do well. And then we'll see what happens, sort of thing, you know. So, no, absolutely. And and like I say that you had the plan, you had the framework in place for how it was going to work, and it didn't quite go to plan from the off because you weren't instantly installed as number one. You had to wait your turn. Yeah. But but once it happened, it happened, and that's how it was staying. Yeah, I mean, I I, I so the first game I played was a preseason game. We we played Wolves, and I walked in and I was taken in to meet Andy King. And uh, he was sat in there with Mick Harford. And I don't know if you've ever come across Mick Harford, but he's quite an intimidating guy. Yeah. Like a to a 21-year-old skinny, you know, street piss. Um, and, and he had this real cold, like Andy King had this real sort of cold um, demeanour about him. Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And it was like, yeah. I, I, and he literally went to me. I've just spoken to Ray Clements. Um He's not sure if you'll ever play for England, but we'll see how you go. Should we go and get ready and we'll, we'll, we'll play tonight? And I was wow. Like, That's a real confidence builder, isn't it? Okay. That's a real confidence builder. No. Yeah, and then, and then you're going, oh, shit, like, this may be a good idea. Like, you know, and, it, and, it was, and that was kind of set the tone for my relationship with Andy King for the next three years. And obviously then immediately that's got my back up and then he didn't play me. And it was like, I think he was trying to make a point to the board and to Mark Devlin that's, you know, you've gone to sign this lad. But I get the impression he wasn't, oh, I think what had happened, and I got told this later, was that he was like, yeah, 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 go on and go and sign him sort of thing in a, in a sort of sarcastic way, thinking I wouldn't sign. Um, and then I signed and it was a problem, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. because of that, you know, so um, that, that, was, that was tricky. And obviously as a young lad, how, how do you prepare for that? I, you know, obviously now I, as an older person, you look at it differently. But yeah, I sort of met fire with fire, and uh, that that wasn't ideal, really. You know. <laughs> so so there you are at what twenty? You said twenty one. Um, yeah. And when the opportunity does come, as I say, you, you you firmly grasp that that number one slot at the at the first available opportunity. Was was that your? I mean, you already said you, you'd been out online, but was that what you would class your first proper? Like number one season as well. Um, I guess in a way. I guess in a way. I mean, I'd been on loan to a few clubs and had a really good run at QPR um, when Fraser ended up getting injured. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember thinking of it like that. I was so single-minded and like driven, you know, to the point of ridiculousness. You know, when I look back now. You know, it was, and funny enough, I spoke to Matt Hayward about this last year. We played at um, the Alan McLaughlin Memorial game and we sort of talked about it because I used to get the piss ripped out of me, obviously, because I was like ultra serious, you know, and <laughs> did, did everything the way I did. And obviously you had this Andy King kind of sort of click of piss up and cards and gold. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 I, I mean, going, and I like refused to eat sandwiches that were out for pre, pre-match one evening. 
and that all kicked off. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, so it it, it was it was like I was on a, a, a mission, I guess. You know, and um, fuck everybody else, I guess. Excuse my language, but it was. No, it it's was very, fine. I, I was there. I was there to, to to sort of try and achieve what I wanted to achieve. You know, and that was kind of my mindset. I think you know, really. Um. You already mentioned, obviously, that that season culminated with with Brighton, and we all we all know what happened there, and we've all got the scars from it. But when you look at that season, and, and particularly the, the squad that was assembled there, was do you feel when I look back, as I say, this will be my my twentieth season next year, and I think that there are sort of a handful of squads that you think they're destined to go on and achieve something that I haven't seen yet. I mean, there's lots of people that will be watching this or listening back that, you know, they would have been around in 93. Um, you know, Nick's always teaches us about 69, that kind of thing. And But it's uh, there, there are a couple of squads, and you think that one in particular is one that really could have kicked on if it would have stayed fully stayed together, if it was able to, and, and pushed on from where it was. Yeah, I mean, but I think you know, I don't. I, 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 you tell me otherwise, but I'm not sure anybody would have necessarily predicted the way it went. You know what I mean? It just kind of built and built and built, didn't it? You know, I think the sort of the mishmash of players that you brought together, and there's no denying Andy King could spot a play. You know, and he was fantastic at that. Man management not so great, in my opinion, personally. You know, but in terms of getting a team together, he did that fantastically well. You know, and it, it, it only just fell short by the finest of margins really I mean, there's no guarantee we, there's no guarantee we would have won the final obviously you know but uh, you know it's, it's, it's a shame that the club couldn't sustain it and, and take it on you know the following season I guess and I mean you you already mentioned like Matt Hayward there is there still members of like from not even necessarily that season but you were you were at Swindon for, for a few years is there still members that, that you talk to and they're still friends with I, do, do you know what I, I I'm <laughs> I'm one of these people. I don't really have many ex-football friends. Unfortunately, my my, my best football friend passed away three years ago. But um, uh, there's obviously Instagram, and I have a bit. Matt Hayward will come to me regularly on Twitter, you know, with various <laughs> uh, keepers away shouts and all that sort of stuff, which is which is all well and good. I'll see Jarrell occasionally, especially when I was working at Supermarine because yep. he does some stuff there. Um, I've seen Brian Howard uh, a couple of times. I bump into Sam Parker. So I knew Sam from Chelsea. So we, of course, yeah. Previous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, but like like anything, you know, you get on with your life, and you know, and but if I see them, brilliant, we'll have a chat and, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I'm not immersed in football twenty four seven anymore. You know, so um, to answer your question, no, I guess is is the answer to that. You made in well in excess of you know i think it was just over 120 appearances over over the years for swindon is there any particular games or i mean we, we had the the bradford comment there and you said that's sort of same tell people about it. is there any sort of games or, or moments from swindon that when you do take a moment to look back and reflect you think oh do you know what that that is one yeah i mean the, to be honest with you a lot of it uh, for me there are probably more uh, negative moments because of probably, and, and it sounds like I'm bashing Andy King. I, I actually, and I've said this before, when I saw Andy King after I left Swindon, we were great, you know, he's he yeah. lovely. He actually hugged me on one occasion when I saw him, which took me by surprise. Um, <laughs> but, but there were some really tough moments for me at Swindon um, with the way that he spoke to me and spoke to me publicly as well, you know, in the press as well. Um, mm -hmm. But no, there was some, I always remember, I always remember being right behind Rory Fallon's overhead kick uh, yeah. in Bristol City. You know, 
and moments like that. Um, I remember, you know, I, for me, it was this feeling. And when I even when I think about it, even now, I get, you know, like sort of goosebumps. But being, and without trying to overemphasize it, being a, Swin, a Swindon person as I am and as I always will be, to, to, be, to run out there and have people chanting, you know, Rich, Rich, Rich Evans or England's number one, that's amazing. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, there, there's not many people who get to experience that, is there? There's not many people who get the chance to play for a hometown club. No. Um, I feel very, I feel very fortunate that that's the case. Um, but I remember one of my biggest memories is is Dick Mackey getting uh, deep heat on my testicles at Peterborough away because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a sore groin. So I, I, I vividly remember that, and uh, I then in the game got smacked in the balls with the ball. So um, I, one of those that took my breath away, like you know. So I'm on the floor in the six yard box. And he'd come over and I went, don't touch him again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, there is no pain like it, I can assure you. Any, any, uh, any deep heat on that area is not good. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, was, it was a special period for me, um, you know, because I had Fraser Digby as my goalkeeper coach. That was one of the things I insisted on that pissed Andy King off to begin with as well. Um, you know, so I had Fraser. I had... You know my family and friends around me, um, and I was running out of the county ground every week. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think it's that overall feel of it. Do you know what I mean? And it's it, it, and that's how I'll always sort of remember it. And um, it, it was a shame it ended the way it ended, really, for me because I didn't I didn't want to leave. You know that was that was the thing. You know I, I really didn't, um, and I was disappointed with the way that it went at the end. You know, but. Um, overall sort of positive positive overall memory of it do you know what I mean but in terms of individual games I remember making a really good save in my uh, I think my debut at South End in the Cup and um, it was a way it was a, it was a it was a header and I dived and saved it and then I got I got concussed later in the game I always remember this because then I'm, I remember sort of Andy King coming up to me after the game I think I told him to F off because he said something to me, but I was concussed, so I didn't really know where I was or what I was. I got flipped and landed on my head. And he said to me, I was like, you know, you told me to F off. I was like, yeah, I probably meant it as well. Sort of thing. <laughs> and, uh, that kind of summed up. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I remember saving a penalty at, at, at Barnsley, um, and it was just after my grandfather had died, I think. And that's another game that sort of sticks in my mind. Um, but yeah, like loads loads of great memories. If I, could, I probably should have sat and thought about this before I came on here, shouldn't I? But... Uh, no, overall, all good. That's fine. As, as long as your overriding memories of Swindon is getting concussion on debut and deep heat on your testicles, that pretty much sums up everyone's Swindon Town career, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, it seems got, to be Swindon a thing. Yeah, it seems to be a thing with goalkeepers. Well, no. Yeah, because Mildy had a similar problem, didn't he? Yeah. He, got, he, he waxed his into the post, didn't he? I think. Yeah. He had it stitched up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's got a daughter, so I think he was all okay in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned there just before we we get on to how it came about, you left and and what happened sort of after Swindon, and and then what you're up to now. You mentioned Fraser a few times there, and it seems to be that he, particularly in the earlier years, played a very integral part. Um, you know, you mentioned at QPR, and that so you watched him growing up. Then you were at QPR, and then he was your goalkeeping coach. So. Do you see him as a very influential figure on how your career went? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, 
yeah, without question, uh, without question. Um, it, 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 you know, t- t- to me, I've always been very, I'd always been very fortunate in my younger years that I'd had some of the best coaching going, you know, with the FA, um, with NH Veski at Chelsea. And I had the bad period with Ranieri and his Italian guy um, that I learned to swear in Italian to deliberately annoy him. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, and then uh, and, I, and I, then, I, then I had phrasing, you know, and that was important to me. I think I recognise, and I've always recognised the importance of a good goalkeeper coach. You know, that is vital for any any goalkeeper to have that and have a positive relationship with their goalkeeper coach, you know. Um, and the great thing for me was I was I was able to go and speak to Fraser and, and you know, if I had questions or I'd made a mistake or whatever, and this was somebody who'd lived it and done what I was doing at that moment, and he'd done it far better than I'd ever done it, and and obviously done at a high level as well, you know. So to have that to hand, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, and and to then work with him a couple of times a week was 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 brilliant. Like, do you know what I mean? He's he's such a top bloke, and I've always stayed in touch with him. You know, we we speak every now and again, and um, you know, um, it, I, I feel very fortunate uh, for that. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Uh, for, for the benefit of our uh, our legions of international fans, do you remember any of those Italian swear words? Oh yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm sure. Uh, you want a sample or? Uh... But please go for it. Why not? I'm sure there's a uh, the fair few Italian speakers. You, 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 you've got to give it fatunculo, uh, <laughs> testa di cazzo, uh, and uh, puta madre, which is. <laughs> Mother Summer, yeah. So, nice. um, okay. so I always, I'll always remember his face. The first time I said it to him, because he's done Summer, and I did it, and his eyes went like that, like, do you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> this, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, back now, stupid, really, isn't it? You know, you're a premiership club, and you're, you're telling your Italian goalkeeper coach to piss off in his own home land. <laughs> yeah, same's good. All that bad bosses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... That you you mentioned a little while ago that you don't think you necessarily throughout your entire career you don't think you necessarily achieved everything you wanted to or everything you felt you could. Swindon specifically is that a case in point? Do you think there was a lot more you could have achieved at Swindon potentially? No, I don't think at Swindon. I, I think you know, I, <clears throat> you know, having having that kind of. Uh, influence of it being your hometown club and it sort of meaning that a little bit more to you. That that I think that gives you an extra few percent without you know before you even start. Do you know what I mean? Um, it was where it went after Swindon that I kind of my biggest regret is signing for Blackpool without question. You know without question that that when I'm on my taking my last breath that'll be the one thing that will stick in my mind. Um, Don't feel bad. A lot of people seem to make that mistake when leaving Swindon. Yeah, I mean, and, and like I say, you know, obviously the club span it at the time, you know, the, in the paper they'd done all they could and blah, 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 which was absolute rubbish. Um, you know, they left me hanging for weeks uh, and um, I got a ridiculous phone call from Dennis Wise um, and, I, and I went and signed, for, went and signed for, for, for Blackpool. And at the time, you know, again, like when I signed for Sweden, you weigh it all up and this, that and the other. Um, but it, it was a very good life lesson for me. Take without forget football, but the morning I was up there to sign, I just had this feeling, this gut instinct that I was doing the wrong thing. Uh, and I phoned my father and I said, you know, I, I summit, I don't know, summit like niggling me. And we talked it through, you know, this, that, and the other. And 
And you look at that, and we actually got promoted in my first season through the playoffs. So you would argue it was the right decision. I earned a lot of money because it was the best uh, contract on offer. But I hated every minute of it, like, you know. And um, it, 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 it to a further point in my life, um, and, and ever since, I always try and listen to my gut. I always listen to my instincts on things because I didn't. And it cost me, I think. It cost me a, 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 probably my career in a lot of ways in terms of, in terms of what I... Why, um, what I wanted to achieve, you know. And then Leo's piked up, and then you had to go and play under Stuart McCall, and that must have been like being managerless. No, 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 no. The best one of the best managers I ever played for, without question, without question, one of the best managers I ever played for. Somebody that could talk to players, had emotional intelligence, um, a fantastic man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a bad word to say about Stuart McCall. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that shows Liam doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> we knew that already. We did. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> no, but again, you know, you, you, you may meet other, like you'll, you'll meet some of the guys that played for Andy King who loved him. Absolutely yeah. loved him. Get that, and you'll get players that didn't like Stuart McCall. And it probably depends on whether they played you or not. Um, but for me, you know, he, he, he backed me. Um, yeah, you know, what can you say? But again, it's like anything in life, isn't it? You, you speak as you find, and uh, that's that's how I would talk about him. So, okay. in, in terms of some of the clubs, you've already mentioned Blackpool, and, we, and we've, and we've uh, touched there on Bradford as well, but was there anywhere in particular that you, you kind of felt was, was home and, and where, again, you would have been quite happy to see out a, a long-term uh, part of your career had, had it have worked out that way? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> Bradford... Uh, at Bradford, um, most definitely, um, and Millwall just before that. Um, so I, I was um, signed by Millwall, um, rescued from 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 Blackpool, uh, in fact. And that was one of the most football. You, you always found very surreal, surreal moments in football, and, and things can turn very, very quickly. And they did in that scenario. I'd come back training um, at Blackpool, fed up, pissed off, all that sort of stuff. Phone goes, your agent, uh, Millwall want you. Wow, you know, brilliant. Uh, you know what I mean? So literally, I was on my sofa. By midnight that night, I was in a, the bedroom of a supporter's house, putting me up for the night. I played the next night against Nottingham Forest at the den and got man of the match. You know, <laughs> so within the space of 24 hours, I'm like, here we go. You know, career's, you know, I'm back. Like, do you know what I mean? And, um, and, uh, I thought I did very well for Mill personally, you know, um, and I've, I've, you know, I have told this story before, but um, uh, they were in the relegation zone of League One. Uh, I'd worked out their stats. They were letting in something like two goals per game conceded. So I think I played 22 games, kept seven clean sheets. The, the goal ratio was something like 0.89 within the games that I played. Um, 10 games before the end, uh, my agent at the time spoke to the manager, Kenny Jacket. He said, yeah, Reese has done fantastic. You know, let us get to the end of the season and we'll have a chat. You know, so my last game for Mill was at Swindon. Played the penalty against Swindon. Obviously, that went down fantastically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, Yeah, we are shit at penalties. <laughs> Nothing to do with my ability, obviously, but um, <laughs> no. we, uh, we, uh, we left the ground. He said, he phoned me the next day, said, can you come in a bit earlier on the Monday morning, obviously? And I'm thinking, here we go. Brilliant. I'm back. What am I going to accept? What do I want? How much money do I want? Blah, 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 blah. 
walk in there and he's like, yeah, we're going to go with somebody else thanks for your efforts. Wow. And, uh, you know, that that's up there, one of the biggest kicks in the balls I've had uh, without yeah, question. Um, didn't, I'd literally got up from the table, didn't say a word to him, walked out, slammed the door and uh, got in the car and I'd, I'd obviously been, you know, as always, you talk to your dad, I'd spoken to my dad and that. So I phoned him, he's like, bloody hell, that was quick. I was like, yeah, he's told me to, he doesn't want me. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, he told me get lost like sort of thing and I'm driving out the training ground I kind of proceeded to wipe I literally swung my car around in the middle of the road and I was driving back and I was going to kill him my head had gone like do you know what I mean because I'd gone from thinking that my career was in the gutter to re- re- you know retrieving it out of the gutter yep. to then get that you know and I was honestly I was going in I was going to kill him and uh, the goalkeeper coach caught me and literally bear hugged me back to my car and he's like, and I can hear my dad going, don't, 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 because I'm getting out of the car as I'm shutting the door on the car and the car phone, right, you know, and um, yeah, it, that, that was, that was, that was pretty gutting, I have to say, you know, and again, you talk about moments in your, in your life, one, mm-hmm. that, that was definitely one of them that, that you know, I, I, I wonder now looking back whether I ever really mentally recovered from that in some ways, you know what I mean, um, but then I went and signed for Bradford the, the, that, that following season. Um, you mentioned about how playing for your hometown club is is like living the dream and you were living the dream that so many people wish they could have done. But the next level to that is to be able to represent your country. And, and you, you've already mentioned you did that at, at various youth levels. Even at that age, do you recognise what, what sort of an honour that is to be able to do that? And do you think that yeah. fed into that, um, what you were saying about everyone telling you you're great, the fact that you are representing England, you're like, I'm the best in the country at this age? Yeah, uh, it, yeah. No, it was never lost on me whatsoever. You know, it, 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 um, I think it, it brought more out in me as well, you know. And, I, and, and then I remember this one point when it clicked. I was playing, I remember playing this game at Chelsea's training ground and, and, uh, I always struggled to understand why I played so much better for England than I did, do you know what I mean, like with Chelsea or whatever. And It'd I just, be the English it, coaches, I imagine. Well, yeah, but it, it, I remember, I just think I remember this penny going, well, just remember, just think it's an England game. And you go, oh, yeah, like you have that internal dialogue and you go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, and I just went, right, I'm playing for England. And it, it changed me, like, do you know what I mean, within a game. And I'd never sort of forgot that, you know. Um, but I, I also, there was this one moment, I was on tour in Belgium uh, with Chelsea, I think I was like 13 or 14, and the following year would have been the first year for like England schoolboys selection. I think I was probably going through the process of uh, the uh, trials to get into Lillishaw, the national school. And we were at this, I was staying with this Belgian family, and the, the, one of the Chelsea staff was there, and he said to this family that, talking about me, that Reese will play for England. Reese will play for England. And I remember him, I remember him hearing him say it, and I was like, like, you know, that kind of out-of-body thing. Of, wow, like, you know what I mean, really? Because it had never really crossed my mind before. Because a year before that, I was, you know, Swindon playing for Highworth and Westfields and, and all this. Like, you know what I mean? The next thing you've got somebody saying at a dinner table, Reese will play for England. No question. And it's like, Jesus, like, you know. And it, all of that stuff, I think, obviously then subconsciously goes in, doesn't it? You know, and, and that sort of then stirs around in your mind. Um, and then the next minute you're being selected to go to the National Football School and you're one of two goalkeepers in the whole country for your school year, you know. So, um, yeah, very, very surreal when you look back in it. And it, I think it hit home more when my son reached that sort of age. Yep. When he was 13, 14, you're going, Christ, you imagine 
somebody telling him now all the things they were saying to me at that age, you know, and you think, bloody hell. And there was no, like, psychological support with that or any kind of, it was like, you know, crack on sort of thing, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and um, looking back at it now, I'm not sure necessarily that was a, a healthy way to be, perhaps, you know. Um, uh, yeah, one of those things, I guess. When you... It, it, it's one of those sort of generic questions, I'm sure, that someone gets asked whenever they appear on anything like this. But but when you look back, if you could, whether it's the the, the 16 year old, you know, around Chelsea or the 21 year old that, that Simon Swinney, if you could go back now and tell yourself something, what what would it be? Oh, um, don't sign for Blackpool. Um, <laughs> no. I don't know really. I think I think um, I think I was doing I was doing I was doing the best that I could with the with the with the information I had to hand. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I think I think I wish I'd had and, and this may sound like I'm trying to cop out of an answer, but I think I wish I'd had some different influences around me. I think I I you know I had I actually had quite lazy goalkeepers around me in terms of senior goalkeepers like Ed De Hoy had a pot belly, was never in the gym, never worked out in the gym, you know what I mean? And 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 such like, you know, and you had some questionable characters that were around the reserve team, you know, players that had been bombed from the first team, you know, and had quite bad attitudes. And I think if I'd have had maybe some better influences around me, that may have helped me even more. I was quite dedicated, but I think that would have that would have probably helped me, you know, and that's Going back to something we talked about earlier, the way I now coach and approach young goalkeepers like work, I'm brutal with them because I wish somebody had been like that with me. If that yep. makes sense, you know. Mm. And I think because of the way that I was, I think people treated me a little bit with with kind of cotton wool a little bit, you know, probably my family a little bit as well, um, because I was quite volatile and I think quite sort of you know bullheaded like in a lot of ways. Um, so maybe. Maybe a, 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 a little bit more humility, perhaps, um, at a younger age. But again, as I said, you know, when you're 15, 16, somebody, somebody is in, by, by selection, somebody is inferring that you are the best in the country for your age. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that at 16? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's regardless, of, regardless of whether you're playing England Youth Internationals, uh, playing at Chelsea, or just a, a lad leaving Headlands ready to go to New College at 15, 16, you've got an ego complex regardless. Exactly, of course you have, you know, and, and you know, boys especially, you know, you know, having seen my son grow up now, you, you and, and even working with young lads, like I work with some young lads, and um, you know, I think because of my experience, my fatherly instinct kicks in, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and I'll see young lads that I work with now, and I'll go, like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? You know, and and I think, and I think that comes from the fact that I wish somebody had done that to me. Um, I wasn't around my family. I was living away from my family and away from my father and everybody else, you know. So that obviously isn't, it, it probably isn't an ideal scenario either, you know. So like I said, I think I was doing the best with what I had to hand um, at that time. But with high, obviously in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know? Of course it is. With, with what you said, were saying there about you were... Uh obviously quite a driven character in, you know, could be a bit volatile in obviously you, you knew your own mind. Uh, we talked to Danny Wilson earlier today and he was talking about players that are, that are committed and driven. And uh, 
quite common that there were scraps on the training ground and, and you know, players would front up with each other. Um, did you get into many scraps? Um, I don't think in my early career, probably later in my career, when I started to drop down the levels, um, when I started to drop down the levels, um, obviously I was then confronted with players who, who didn't have a similar mindset, which is probably why they were where they were at a younger age, if that makes sense. Yeah. Obviously I was there because of, I was there, you know, and I think that was more to do with my mentality at that point had kind of gone a little bit. Um, but I probably had more fights, fights, scuffles or in, sort of moments in my latter career uh, than I did in my early part of my career. And I've then probably... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I've recently, I was recently sent off on the bench at Yate, you know, because <laughs> I, I was watching a team. We were playing a team that were, were time-wasting. And we've got a really young, naive team at Yate. And I was watching them get bullied by this team and not defending themselves and talking to the ref. So I then took it upon myself to make a point and got involved <laughs> with the other dugout. You know, is it so, more? Is it more that you were making a point, or or the way you were making yeah. a point, and what was said when making the point that got you into uh, trouble? It was probably by the time, I, yeah, by the time I had two of their coaches by the scruff of their neck, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I, I, what I was trying to show the players was like we we aren't accepting this, like do you know what I mean? We're not we're getting bullied here, like do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, then a couple of their coaches got involved and it escalated. That wasn't my intention, but I was then confronted with a situation where I had to kind of look after myself, you know, and that is, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's right. And I don't confuse that. Um, but, you know, my, my mindset has always been, you know, and then where I've been working, obviously helping and working at non-league level in the last few years, regardless of the level, you can still have the same mindset. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The level doesn't matter. The mindset needs to be the same. And, and I think obviously if you haven't been exposed to that previously, then you don't, you don't know what you don't know, do you, you know? And, no, of um, course. And then that's the other tricky thing, isn't it? You know, so um, and, and I'd imagine I would definitely, I would definitely expect if you spoke to players that played me at Swindon and, and, and afterwards, they would go three seven. What a dickhead! Like, do you know what I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think they would. You know, um, and I recognise that now um, because of the way I was probably. Do you know what I mean? And I was, I was, you know, single minded and and. Um, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And if, and if people around me I thought were taking the, 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 the mickey, um, I would just say it. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not trying to make my sound self great because I think it had... No, do it. Take the opportunity. No, no, I think it had a detrimental effect in some ways. You know what I mean? Because it then kind of singles you out within a team a little bit, doesn't it? You know, and then, then you're under pressure because if you don't perform, they're desperate. They're waiting for a moment to then like have a pop back, you know? So... It, it, it's it's a, it's a very fine line that you walk, isn't it? You know, and um, if you if you're someone like Roy Keane or a top top player, you can get away with that because your level is so high. If you're not of that level, which obviously I wasn't, then it, then you 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 you're, you're sort of putting yourself in the firing line a little bit. I think, unfortunately. There's a there's a couple more topics I'd like to go over, including coaching, which you which you've been mentioning the last five minutes or so. Uh, but just a couple of comments that's coming through. I'd like your opinion on. Uh, there's a stereotype, and, and Mike's thrown it into the chat here. Um, goalies have to be a bit mad. Yeah, no, without question. I think, but I think that is changing now. I think goalkeeping has become a much more intelligent position because of the way you have to play as a modern goalkeeper. You know, you have to be advanced you have to be um, I mean in terms of your position your starting positions you have to be able to see a pass and execute a pass at a much higher level than you did when I was playing and certainly before that you know 
Um, but yeah, you know, anybody's going to be able to prepare to put their head where somebody put in their foot. You know, you've, you've, you've got to have that about you, I think. And, and just the training, you know, you know, the majority of outfield players, I would say 95% of outfield players could not train like a goalkeeper does, you know. Um, and, and that in itself really does um, separate the men from the boys, I think, you know. Um, because it's you are an individual within a team, without question, you know. Yeah. And obviously managers want to integrate you, but you, you can't, you have to train in a specialised way. Um, and you can't do that within a, within a normal outfield session. You know, that's the reality of it. I'll be honest. I, I'm. I, I, I'll. I'll say it. I think it's probably a bit sad of me to admit it, but I quite. I've enjoyed over the last couple of tournaments, and we'll come on to, to England in, in just a minute um, and discuss today's uh, game and stuff. But I quite like a lot of the content they put out on YouTube. But I particularly like watching the likes of Pickford and Ramsdale training and how it's different from everything you see all the outfield players doing. And you do get a. Not, not a full understanding because unless, like you said earlier, unless you do it, you won't understand it. But you do get an appreciation for they, you know, goalkeepers are just kind of working separately. They're they're a fundamental part of a team, yet working away from the team for for large parts doing their own thing because it is a specialised skill. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's very it is difficult. I think and it's difficult for managers, and it's frustrating with a lot of managers because they don't understand it. And why why would they? Do you know what I mean? You know, so. Um, one of the things I've always um, stipulated when I've gone into to, to, to coach at clubs, you know, in the in 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 the, in the clubs that I've worked at, you know, is is let just leave, let me do my job. You know, I, it used to drive me mad when I used to have to run with the players. You know, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's team building, it's character building, yeah, bollocks. It's not. <laughs> you know, you, you're you're asking somebody to do something they never do. Do you know what I mean? So you're risking injury, you're risking, yeah. you're, you're wasting time. Goalkeeping is an anaerobic position, so you work in oxygen depth. You know, it's not an aerobic uh, position. You know, you're 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 working in very short bursts and at maximum peak. You know what I mean? So train like that. You know, don't I don't? Why do I need to run around a pitch ten times? You know what I mean? It's it's not productive. You know, you'll find more about a goalkeeper about you know has he got the character to come back from a mistake. You know, can he perform difficult skills? You know, the only way he's going to do that if you train specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one thing I've always personally, um, you know, stipulate. Yeah, I'll, I'll gladly come and work with you and for you. But if you want me, you let me do it. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. do it for 20 minutes. I'm coming. I'm training with them for an hour at least. You know what I mean? Because that's when you're <laughs> going to get the best out of me and them, you know. Because um, yeah. that was something that used to frustrate me when I was a player, um, personally, you know, so... No, definitely. Uh, Liam's very much enjoying hijacking it for some Bradford insight, um, which we don't yeah. mind at all. Uh, how was it mentoring uh, John McLaughlin earlier in his career? Yeah, well, again, you know, John, um, I, I have to say, and I, and I mean this respectfully, I never I never envisaged him having the career he's gone to have. You know, he's um, quite a gangly, awkward lad when I first met him, you know, and um, he had a bit of an arrogance about him, which I respected in some ways, you know. Um, and um, with any, I'd, I'd like to think if you spoke to any young goalkeeper that I ever came into contact with during my career, that hopefully they would always speak uh, well of me. You know, so I always tried to help uh, other young goalkeepers because I, I was looked after by the Chelsea uh, professionals when I was young. You know, so um, no, John, uh, yeah, John's really surprised me. He's done on, gone on to do really well for himself. I have to say, you know, he's played some fantastic clubs. 
Um, so how did you find the, the transition from playing into coaching? I mean, you said as, as you went through the years and even when you were still playing, you would try and help young goalkeepers coming up. So did you find it fairly straightforward? I, I mean, I know you've said there's been some frustrations as well, but and, and are you enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it suits me because, you know, I, I, I don't, it's not my, it's not my, um, it, it's not my bread and butter. It doesn't pay my mortgage or my rent when I'm renting at the moment. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's something I do because I think I can add value. Um, if, if Yay or anybody said to me, thanks, but no thanks, that's fine. It doesn't, it's not going to, it's not going to affect me financially or, or anything like that. You know, um, I personally think I'm probably a better coach than I am than I was a player in some ways. Um, I think because I had to really think about my game um, and I put a lot of thought into it, which to the point of it driving me probably a little bit mad. So all of that time spent thinking about my own game, I think I've then tried to try to um, pass on if I can, you know. Um, it's obviously been a very interesting exercise with my son. Um, it wasn't obviously planned. It was just the way things have worked out. So that's made me think about things differently um, as well. So that's a whole other sort of, you know, obviously that, that isn't going to happen again. Obviously, we've only got one son. Um, but that's obviously given me something else to think about. And then my personal experiences uh, since I stopped playing, you know, I've had some really... Um, difficult, uh, interesting, sad experiences in the time since I stopped playing. And all of those have made me a better person, I think. And as such, have made, made me, I think, a better coach, you know, because I've been able to, I think, be a little bit more emotionally intelligent um, than I was um, when I was younger and as a player, which I think has helped me then uh, with, with the coaching side of stuff, you know. Um, we've had a, a question sent in for you in regards to coaching. Um, is there anyone within the non-league setup that, that you've seen that you can't believe hasn't or isn't within the pro game? Do you mean player or coach? Or... I mean, either really, but I, th I think it was aimed at player, but by all means, if, there, if there's um, any... Not, not that really stands out, to be honest with you. You know, I think that what I've seen is generally the the players that I've come into contact with at Supermarine or getting players playing against Supermarine or recently at Yates and when I was at Hereford before that, um, they're they're generally at that level for a reason. You know whether that's because they suffer with injuries, whether they've got the the, the wrong mentality, whether they haven't got the, the drive, and then sometimes ultimately I guess because they haven't got the technique and the ability. You know so. Um, if I can add value and try and help, or, or if they want to, you know, as an outfield player, I, you know, I do get outfield players come to me. Um, I'll offer them my thoughts. But yeah, goalkeeper wise, not really. Uh, nobody that comes to mind, to be honest with you, unfortunately. Um, so you mentioned uh, that you're working with Yates at the moment. How are you finding that? It's been very difficult, to be honest with you, because I was, I was, you know, I was happily working at. Supermarine, as I said to you before we came on, I actually live down on the south coast in, in Christchurch. I've lived down there for the last five and a half years. Um, and then um, I was with Peter Beadle at Hereford when I first stopped playing. Um, he asked me to come and get involved because he'd seen me work with the young goalkeepers at Hereford when I was still a player and I was injured for a large portion of that season. And then the goalkeeper I worked with at Hereford moved to Swindon Supermarine. And he said, look, Will you come to Supermarine? I was like, well, okay. Spoke to uh, Lee, Lee Spalding at um, Supermarine, and 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 um, yeah, agreed to come. So I was 
I've been traveling a lot for the last few years, coming and, and helping. And it, it kind of felt right with Supermarine because it's obviously the local non-league club in, in the Swindon area. So it felt like the right thing to do, you know. Um, so hopefully I offered, you know, some value and, and support and, and uh, hopefully they felt I, I, I did well for them um, and offered something. Um, and then um, then Peter Beadle, I'd worked with at Hereford and at Barnet as a coach, got the eight job in the summer. And I always feel very loyal to, 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 to Beads because of previous history. And he said, look, you know, whenever I go anywhere, I want you with me. Okay, fair enough. And, you, and I'm, I like thinking of myself as a loyal person. So left Supermarine, he also said, look, I want you to bring your boy with you. I've seen him develop in the last couple of years. I'd like to have him there. And, and you think, oh, is that a good idea? Is it not or what? You know what I mean? You know, so anyway, we do that. And unfortunately, it, has, it, ha- it didn't go well for, for Beads. And, and, you know, budget has been tight and wasn't able to get some of the players that he wanted. So he resigned as manager three weeks ago. Um, and a new manager and assistant manager has come in. And, and that's difficult because I don't know them. They don't know me. Um, I think obviously they had doubts whether they wanted me to continue because of, you know, football's a very clicky industry. You know, they're probably feeling a bit like, who's this guy? Is he a square? You know, those sort of stuff, you know. And we had a conversation on the phone and we've agreed to give it a month and see how we go, you know. So we've had some good results. I think he's seen how I work with the goalkeepers. He's an ex-goalkeeper himself. Uh, so I think you can see the value in what I'm doing. Um, but I think I'll, I'll probably speak to him in a week or two weeks' time and just say, look, you know, do you want to carry this on or not? It's a big commitment for me because it's, you know, a two-hour drive there, hour and 45 back after training. Um, so, you know, from that point, it was a big commitment. But again, you know, the two goalkeepers I've got there, I feel a responsibility to them, you know what I mean? So I don't yep. want to just abandon them. Because the reality is there aren't really many goalkeeper coaches at that level, you know, Southern Premier conference south um and i don't think there are any have got the kind of experience that i can offer either you know so i think i can add value and as long as i think i can add value then 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 why not do you know what i mean so um yeah we'll get we'll keep it going for the for the, the meantime anyway um i'm conscious that we've already taken up well over an hour of your time there is just there is just one more thing i'd like to talk to you about if i can and, and we're going to be talking about it a bit more later on um but we mentioned obviously um england and, and the world cup and you you watched the game this afternoon as well uh, but i was also intrigued with your comments earlier about developing top top keepers at, at the highest level and uh, i'm intrigued with your thoughts a lot of people that i know um were uh, what's the right word a little bit disgruntled maybe that that pickford is still number one and, and a lot of people say obviously Ramsdale probably deserves it but Southgate has that sort of I feel he has that kind of loyalty to players that have done him well in the past what do you make of the current crop of, of English goalkeepers because you've got Pope in the mix as well and, and Henderson not even in the squad yeah I mean <clears throat> I think you kind of answered it for yourself or for me in a way I think if you look at Pickford the, I think the main reason Pickford plays obviously he's a great goalkeeper no question about that but he plays because of his distribution you know, I think that was very evident when Nick Pope played in that game, was it the last game or a couple of games ago. He isn't at the level, distribution-wise, that Pickford is. And at international level now, Manuel Neuer, um, you know, Edison uh, and... Alisson. They have raised the bar massively. You know, Pep Guardiola is right. You know, Joe Hart wasn't good enough for Pep Guardiola, you know, for that very reason. Um, so, for me, if you watch... So, England do put up videos 
and my son sends them to me continuously. Um, the YouTube clips of being the goalkeeper training. If you, you know, obviously, if you watch it with the eye that I would watch it with, I personally think that Ramsdale is the best goalkeeper, handling general goalkeeping ability. But the reason Pickford plays is probably at the moment because he slightly pips him a on reliability with England alone. And because of his distribution, there's no question Pope's done fantastic for Newcastle. You can see the difference it's made to Newcastle. Yeah. But I don't think Eddie Howe is looking to play in that same way. So he's prepared to accept that. He's gone, well, I've got a great goalkeeper, but I don't need somebody, I don't need him to play like that at the moment. Be interested to see if, if, if they develop and they improve and maybe they go into the Champions League, for example, then maybe he will have to go and get somebody else. Um, yep. But goalkeeping, goalkeeping has changed drastically. You know the way that I approach my goalkeeper training is 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 very different to how it was when I was coached because you know I I I don't I didn't do as nowhere near as much goalkeeping uh, kicking and distribution um, as as I do with the goalkeepers that I coach for example you know so um, it's um, it's developed massively in the last few years you know talking talking about goalkeepers and you're talking about Ramsdale. I saw an interview with him well, a few months ago when he was out on loan. Um, and he, he said he was uh, playing up at Accrington and he had a really poor game and give away a, a couple of goals. And he said, small crowd, close to the pitch. And all he could hear was, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. And he said, that doesn't have to bring you down to earth. So obviously, you know, young goalkeepers going out on loan um, for that sort of experience is, uh, you know, obviously does them a world of good. It's probably really tough. And I don't know whether you experienced something similar when you were on loan at different clubs. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, and, and it's interesting because, again, you know, I, I, it, sort of bringing it back to the coaching side of things, you know, I, what I, I, I make my training sessions tough and intense. And also I demand like high high standards from the lads that I work with, regardless of their level or whatever it is. But for them, I, I push their level as hard as I can because I think I heard, a, I heard a really interesting quote a few years ago that I think a good coach makes players comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, yeah. If, I'm, if I'm absolutely driving you and I'm on you in a training session, you know, that is as hard as it's going to be. So then when you do play in a game, you go, well, I, well, blimey, this is this is all right. This is easy. Do you know what I mean? You know, so yeah. it's, it, it, it's that kind of um, thing. And, and I, I didn't have that really. I did and I didn't. But yeah, I mean, I remember my first loan was I walked in, I got pulled into the staff room at Chelsea um, at a training ground. And uh, Eddie Javesky was, was like that on the phone. And he said, um, I've got something I want you to speak to. And he went like that, gave me the phone. And, he, and I went, oh, he went, and it was Ian Holloway on the end of the phone. He went, you know, his Bristol accent, I, 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 uh, you know. <laughs> um, get, in your, get in your car and come to come to Bristol now. Here's the address. Write it down. You're coming on loan to me for a month. And um, I was like, right, okay. Like, I put the phone down. I had to get on my gear, get in my car and drive to Bristol. Uh, went on to this terrible training pitch. It was like clay. Um, <laughs> and I do this training session with Brian Parkin, who was the goalkeeper coach at Bristol Rovers. He played there for a few years. And then uh, next morning, I had to get meet them on the coach. I had to bring my own sandwich and my own sort of like pre-match food. Um, and went to Oldham. 
um, Ian Holloway, who, who, I mean, for a young lad like me, it was like, <laughs> like wow, who's this guy like? Do you know what I mean? And um, uh, pulled up Oldham, went out onto the pitch. I remember seeing like the England goalkeeper, England youth goalkeeper coach in the stand, my mum and dad. I think it was my sister's birthday, so that pissed her right off. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I played and I caught, I caught, I remember catching two high balls, threw them out, and we scored two goals at half time. We were falling up. And I'm thinking, well, this is a piece of piss. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and then I think I ended up playing like four games. And, and then I, I struggled in one or two other games and that, you know. And, and then um, Chelsea insisted that if I stayed, I had to be number one. And Holloway pulled me into his office. He went, I'm not having anybody tell me who I play and who I don't play. You can go back to Chelsea sort of thing. like you know. And that was that. Yeah. And then the following season... Um, I'd been playing, I'd been playing really well in like the Chelsea youth and reserves, uh, playing a lot of games. And I remember seeing Holloway at a few of the games because he'd then gone to QPR as manager. And the next thing I knew, I was, I was, uh, I had a phone call, I was going to go and sign for QPR. Uh, but the lady at QPR, as a secretary, copped up the registration forms and I couldn't play the next day at Notts County. But he said, Holloway said, look, come up to watch the game because we're going to have to play this goalkeeper called Fraser Digby who's been here. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So I drove up to Nottingham and watched the game. It was Fraser's first game. I think it was the first time Fraser had played in quite a while. And he had an absolute worldie against Notts County. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it was brilliant. Like, you know, and this is this guy that I've grown up watching. I've got, like, you know, never met him, but I'd had this massive amount of respect for and um, I was like, my mate went, you ain't playing here anytime soon. Like, like, you know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, have you, have you signed the paperwork? I went, yeah, I have. He was like, oh, that was a mistake. Like, you know, <laughs> but literally, I went there. It must have been, I must have then sat on the bench probably for like three or four, uh, three or four months. Uh, and Fraser played. But I got to know Fraser, got to train with Fraser, got to see how he operated, you know, and, and sort of built up this, and I think probably at first I was a bit like, oh, wow, like, you know, it's Fraser Digby, like, you know. Um, and um, that was a real baptism of fire because obviously I then spent a longer period of time with Ian Holloway and he would make me run with the outfield players. And I'd never really run before at Chelsea. And I really struggled. And I think at first they thought I had a bad attitude and it wasn't. It's like I couldn't run and I've never been able to run. I'm not a natural yeah. runner. So that was really difficult. And that was where I first met Kenny Jackett because Kenny Jackett was the assistant manager and he was the guy who took me to Millwall later on. Like, and I know that he didn't like me. Like, you know, I just could tell he didn't, he didn't like me as a, as a kid. And I think I had that kind of arrogance about me that I was England under 21 goalkeeper, whatever, like, you know. And uh, then I got in the team because uh, Fraser, I think Fraser pulled his car quite badly. And I got in the team. But then I always remember Fraser was really good with me. He sort of was always there would always encourage me and all this, you know, and I, and I always, I'll never forget that. Do you know what I mean? I think that was one thing that really sort of stuck with me and he supported me. And I think he could see that I respected him and, and all that sort of thing, you know. So I ended up having a really strong, uh, I think I played like 11 games between there and the end of the season. And we ended up playing Bre uh, Brentford, like a local derby, 20, 20 or thousand people at Loftus Road. And I made a couple of really good saves. And, and that was quite a moment for me at that point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where I thought maybe I've got a, I've got a chance here, you know. So um, then the following season, I went to Leighton Orient and uh, had a nightmare, had an absolute nightmare, you know, and, and I was driving around the M25 to try and get to train every morning and I didn't really like the goalkeeper coach and, and it was it was one of those, you know. So, yeah, I had a mixed bag with it, but it was all 
good. Do you know what I mean? You know, it was all yeah. experience of various types and different types of managers and people. Um, and I think ultimately, I, 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 in some ways, I don't think Chelsea really prepared me as well as they should have done, to be honest with you. And I think I was in a bit of a bit of a bubble, to be honest with you, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, it was an interesting period for me, you know, from that perspective. Yeah, had, you, had you had the, it's just popped up to me hearing his name mentioned again there. Had you had the conversation with Fraser to say that you, like, did he know you'd grown up a Swindon lad and you'd watched him play? Or is that yeah. not something you really wanted to? No, I, I think I, I think I did. I think I gave it. Oh, I grew up watching you play and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, lost, lost my uh, lost my uh, sort of uh, my my coolness with it a little bit. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I genuinely, I gelled, I genuinely, genuinely held him in like really high respect. You know, as it, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, as you're quite when you're when you're when you're young, you're quite formative, aren't you? You know, and I, I went to Wembley, went to both Wembley games. You know, and and all of that, and would would go and watch them on my own. I'd ride my bike to my auntie's house uh, on Dawes Road or Cumberland Avenue, where she lived near the ground. Leave my bike there and walk into the ground and watch Swindon play. You know, so I, I grew up watching him. You know, and Nicky Hammond was my first goalkeeper coach uh, when I signed for Swindon, and he also was like the FA regional coach. So I had a, I had a lot of a lot of exposure to Nicky Hammond as a young kid as well. You know, so. Um, yeah, I, I was quite fortunate from that perspective, you know, and to get to work with Fraser and, and that developed from there. Um, and it was funny, actually, I spoke to him not long ago because he's now followed in my footsteps and works in the motor industry. So he phoned up me for some career advice. Uh, <laughs> not so much, but that was quite a, that was quite a, um, a, a seminal moment in our relationship, you know, where it was me giving him advice for a change, you know. So uh, he didn't take it, funnily enough, because he actually he actually started. So uh, he, he didn't listen to me, actually, when I said, run, run, be a lot Just two more, if I may, um, and then we'll let, we'll let you be free. Um, going, kind of going full circle with a couple of things you picked up on there. There's the there's a constant conversation going on, particularly amongst fans these days, about characters in football and how it's not the same as it was, however long ago, etc. But then you get people a bit like we mentioned Ramsdale earlier, who you're always seeing videos of him winding up away fans, and and he's spoken about it openly, and he said, look, they give it to me, I give it to them, and as long as it's like that, that you know, I admit if I if I make a mistake, I'm going to get it ten times worse back. I've just got to be ready for that. Do you? Do you see, I suppose, the wider picture of football in general losing characters or do you see them kind of making their way back in? And and do you think it's necessarily wise for a goalkeeper to be taking it upon himself to be doing that thing, being so close to the fans? I think you're opening yourself up, aren't you? You know, you, you, because as a goalkeeper, you're only one moment away from a cock-up, aren't you? You know, and it's and that everybody does it, you know, the best to the, to, to the best of it, you know. I think you personally. I'd be cautious because I think you're bringing you're bringing potential a whole world of pain upon yourself. Aren't you? you know, you would question how focused is he on the actual game. You know, I mean, I remember when like Joe Hart used to get a bit sick because he would like be like a rabid dog in the tunnel, wouldn't he, before a game? Yeah. You know? and, yeah. But you've got to remember, everybody kind of deals with stress and adrenaline in different ways, don't they? You know, and mm -hmm. you, what you've got to do is you've got to find a way to get the best out of yourself. You know, don't try and copy somebody. Don't try and be somebody you're not. Be yourself. And I often say this to the goalkeepers I work with and my son and the other guys, you know, if getting angry makes you better, 
do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. You know, whereas I would get angry and I would get, I'd be cussing and swearing and shouting and everything like, you know what I mean? And, and that would, to me, that made, I would then get better and, and you know, and, and, and pick myself back up. But you see some people, they get angry and they go to pieces, you know? So I think you've got to, you've got to be able to learn what works for you and, and, um, and uh, you know, find what brings the best out in yourself or try and, find somebody that tells you that what that what that looks like you know which again is isn't an easy thing to find i don't think no absolutely not um the last one i think for me unless of course nick there's, there's anything you want to add you, you've mentioned your, your son a fair few times in this um and it'll be i think I've, for you obviously it'll be very interesting to see how far he is able to go because you said that he's clearly very capable but he, he did miss out on a few years and and that's clearly cost him did i see um and please forgive me if i'm wrong but i'm, I'm sure i saw you share something that he's also gone into kind of goalkeeping coaching of some description as well yeah yeah he, he's he's got a very much an, an entrepreneurial sort of spirit um i think uh maybe he was spoiled as a kid so he likes all nice things and uh <laughs> Now realising he has to fund that for himself, like you know, rather than uh, rather than anybody else doing it for him. But no, he he he. I think as much as he probably hates to admit, he is my son in terms of my some of my traits and some of our genes have definitely uh, <laughs> been passed on. So he 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 very much thinks about what he's done and what he's doing. You know, and he analyses what he's doing and will video training sometimes. Um, and will what will you know will pick up on stuff. So I think what that's done is it's made him think about it, and I think he's able to verbalise it because he's he's you know he he, he can speak well um, and he's intelligent enough to be able to do that. So what he started working. So uh, some of you you may or may know at Supermarine they've got a dome behind the pitch, an indoor dome there, and there were some guys that run a coaching uh, sort of school there and asked him to get involved with with the goalkeeper side of coaching which he did, a bit of extra pocket money, and obviously he's developed. And I think he's had some good results. And from what he tells me is that there's a lot of kids who sign up for long-term things with him, like 12 sessions in advance. You know, I said, that's a, that's a massive credit to you that they're prepared to do that, you know, to spend that money and, and do that. And obviously he's, he's built on that. I think he nicks all my sessions between you and I. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, I, 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 uh, I've stayed out of it. I've let him get on with it. You know, I, I, you know it's, it's, it's his little thing, you know. Um, and he know, you know, he's been drilled within an inch of his life by me, you know, in terms of what he should and should be doing. So he knows all of the basics. He knows, you know, enough to be able to do that. And I have no doubt he's good at it from the feedback I've heard he is. Um, and then he's obviously thought, well, you know, like anybody, I'm working for somebody else. If I work for myself, then I get a bigger cut of it, like, you know. So he's, he started that and um, he's set up his website and his social media. And he's starting to develop. What he's looking for at the moment is a venue um, with a floodlight in the Swindon area um, to, to, to do that. So I've sort of tried to, to try to come up with some ideas for that. Obviously, I'm not local, so he's he's on his own there with that. He lives in uh, Woodbassett uh, with his mum, uh, so he's sort of working in that general area. Um, and he's just looking to develop it. He's also doing a personal training course uh, at the moment, and he's just started a job in a gym. He's the sort of person that probably doesn't like academia you know he's not really one for study and i think he's got that kind of learn on the job type of mentality yeah. and, and that sort of thing which and um, because of my experiences in the real world since i left football i think that counts as much for any qualification you know if you can mm -hmm. talk to people and build a rapport with anybody you know you've got half a chance which which is what he's got 
Um, so no, I'm sure it'll be a success of it. You know, he, he just needs to focus on it and, and build it up slowly. And, um, you know, hopefully people in the local area will, will choose to send their, their, their kids to him, you know, and um, I, no doubt he'll, he'll help them develop, you know. Well, for, for anyone interested, I will um, I will get the details from the post that I did see and I will be resharing it through our, our socials as well so everyone can can have that. Um, Nick, was there anything you wanted to ask while Reese was here or should we let him uh, enjoy the rest of his Monday night? We already interrupted tea time and then <laughs> took up his whole evening. Yeah. I did, I did, yeah. Uh, no, no, nothing else. I mean, it's just really say thank you. And it is, you know, it's a, a, a very good uh, hour, well, hour and a half. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, you've given us a, a good insight to, you know, yourself as a person in, in your career. So thanks very much. And it's it's been spot on. Really good. Yeah, honestly, like I say, from, from my perspective, um, when it dawned on me, that 20 years was coming up and, and I had this idea of sort of reaching out to see if if any of that squad would be interested and, and with how quick you came back to me, I'm honestly well, well made up and, and I can't thank you enough for, for agreeing to do it, the time and and the, the in-depth nature of which you've gone into, uh, uh, I and Nick and Rich and Kieran who have had to drop off and, and the guys who couldn't make it tonight, we all really appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. That's uh, very kind of you to say so. No, no, thank you very much. Uh, one, one final thing though before you go. Um, I've, I very much bang the drum that England are going to win the World Cup. Can you tell everyone that I'm right, please? Yeah, but you've got your Christmas tree up on the 21st of November. So, if <laughs> <laughs> it makes any difference, it's been up since the 19th of November. So, Jesus. yeah. Well, um, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I think, I think you know. I, I don't think there's the, they're the usual the usual sort of clamour there, is it? You know, um, you know, the, the, the clamour of that usually we're going to win it, we're going to win it. I think it seems quite sensible at the moment. I don't think it feels like a World Cup, though, does it? Where it's, no, no, it doesn't. That's doesn't, the trouble. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a big mistake on their part, isn't it? We all know oh, you know, yeah. the corruption that's gone on to get it to this point, you know, but it, it is a real shame, isn't it? Because but in some ways you wonder if that might suit us because the players are, in theory, at their peak. You know, they've had a good couple of months in the season. They're fit. You know, they're not at the end of the season and we all know how intense the Premier League is, you know. So, do you know what? It might just work in our favour for once, you know. And they've done what they needed to do today. You know, it was a workmanlike performance and, you know, it, it, it was it was a, a no-win situation for them, but they've done what they needed to do, you know. So, yeah. um, hopefully we can pick off. Um, so, I, I flashed up the comment on the screen there from Claire that all elite lived on Doors Road. And, no, I uh, live on Doors Road. <laughs> Headlands Grove. Headlands Grove. Um, I've also had one message instantly come in just before you do leave saying, love that Reese just completely mugged you off for your fucking Christmas tree. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. If they've taken nothing else from that, <laughs> then they're going to take that. But no, honestly, thank you very much for your time. Really do appreciate it. And and you never right. know, hopefully uh, see you again sometime in the future where we can talk some more. No problem at all. Nice to see Thanks, you. Reece. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Reese. Cheers. And as one man leaves the panel another one joins good evening ben hello hey, boys ben. Good hello. it's, it's hello. been a busy day at falls hq mate how about yourself yeah it's been a busy day at, at uh, ben towers it's been uh, been quite hectic i've just come back from a cricket committee meeting and i'm now here to uh, rejoin the falls as we're a little bit short on numbers 
<laughs> yes, well, uh, to be okay. fair, um, there, there's a fair few uh, personal bits and pieces going on at the moment, but also uh, fair play to the likes of uh, Rich and uh, and Kieran and and Nick, who's who's really putting in the hours today, as the, and yourself, of course, who were at it early doors. We'll come on to that in a moment. But we're joined by someone else, Ned's hey, here as well. Ned. <laughs> Hello, man. How are you, Ned? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. 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 Thank you. Good. Welcome, yeah. welcome to the panel. Welcome back. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was listening to the Reese thing, and I was like, I really want to come on and tell my story about Minehead. <laughs> would, would you like to tell it now? He's not here. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Um, essentially, uh, me and a friend went out. Um, we were obviously quite young at the time, um, and Reese was playing. And my friend thought it would be a good idea if I was, well, no, if if if, uh, if we pretended to be celebrities. And, um, yeah, I said I was Reese Evans. Because, obviously, <laughs> you know, at the time, uh, you know, I, I had the same sort of haircut. I'm, I'm similar height. I'm playing goal, so know what I'm talking about, you know, with, with, with goalkeeping stuff. I was quite trim, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> um, and, suggesting yeah. you're not now? Oh no, I, 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 I'm I'm three re sevens at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and uh, you know, um, I pretended to be re sevens, and uh, yeah, it got me a few drinks, and it got me some uh, interest from the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was you know, thanks Reese for letting me piggyback on your fame. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's still yeah, watching the live feed to hear that. So. What was that, Ben? Did Reese Evans get you laid? Did Reese Evans not laid. get you laid? I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Evans isn't that easy. <laughs> wow. Um, what's going on? Ned is in a different place. Yes, I'm in my wonderful, wonderful yes. living room. Enjoy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I can't get into my office because it's full of rubbish, as we're fully aware. No, no I'm only joking. <laughs> I was working in the living room, so I just thought I'd uh, jump on. Um, so we weren't entirely sure Ben was going to make it, and uh, as such, he provided us a little um, a little video. So Ben, even though you're here, I think it's only right we play it. I mean, um, play before the video. We... it saves me a job. Yeah, uh, we'll still let you talk, uh, Nick, Ned. We'll come back to you in a minute, but but guys, uh, uh, ladies and gents watching, uh, please do um, ah. Good evening, Mr. Potts, who uh, who is somebody I work with and no affiliation to Swindon Town, but appreciate the support and you switching on to say hello. Um, yes, uh, everyone get comfortable because Ben was asked to provide a little two-minute video because he was, should we use the word passionate in our WhatsApp chat on Saturday after the game? I mean, I've been, I've been ridiculed for my reaction at times, but Ben was like, Fifey on heat on Saturday. It was ridiculous. Um, so Ben was asked to provide a two-minute video, and what he actually sent was something nearly six minutes long, so I've had to put it into two sections. Uh, but Ben, if it's all the same to you, I'm going to uh, to play part one now. It's all right. Come here. All right. Um, sorry I can't be on tonight. Uh, Fifey's asked me to do a, a little two-minute video or so. Um, about the uh, performance on Saturday or the non-performance of how I took it. Um, 
start from the beginning, shall we? Um, I think uh, the lineup was the same as Tranmere. Uh, we're going back to 3-5-2, which I think is a mistake. Uh, I've still not seen a convincing performance in 3-5-2. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for the players that we've got. Um, I think there's big gaps between the defence and the midfield. Uh, I think it lacks continuity. Um, I don't like it. Uh, I know he's trying to force his way to fire two up front, have Wakelin and Jeff Cut up front, um, but there's lots of other ways to do it. We scored five playing with a diamond at Mansfield. I don't see why we can't play that again. I know he thinks we lack width, but we've got two very good wing-backs that can do the job. Anyway, um, yeah, first 20 minutes I thought were pretty good. Um, I thought we started on the front foot. Um, I think it was more crew were very bad. Um, they were... Uh, at sixes and sevens at the back and uh, they gave away the ball away in sloppy areas they've tried and slow play out the back and they were giving the ball away uh, most times when they did that 30 yards for from goal um, I didn't think they defended very well I think it was a matter of time before we scored um, then the penalty incident happened which was sloppy um, a silly challenge that shouldn't have happened uh, that wasn't needed really with someone who was going nowhere um, they scored the penalty after that, that did change the whole emphasis of the game. I think we lost a little bit of our energy going forwards. Uh, we lost our uh, our shape a little bit. Um, Gladwin, who'd been running the show beforehand, um, just really wasn't in tempo or in sync anymore like he was. Uh, I think we were shoddy. I think the midfield were very poor. Uh, I feel sorry for the two strikers that did work very hard. But um, other than Hutton, um, I think the midfield five were bad, were very bad. Um, and uh, I don't think Crew. I think Crew were there for the taking. Actually, I think Crew was possibly one of the worst performances teaming that I've seen this season. Um, I don't think they defended very well at all. They defended in numbers. Um, they played with, uh, I think, a five and a four at the back, and um, they 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 weren't sticking with man markers they let players run them in the box um i just think they're at sixes and sevens most of the time i just think they just pack the penalty areas of their bodies and that's that's just the way they sort of defended i don't think i think they were there for the taking i think if uh if we were any sort of good in any sort of form whatsoever we'd have smashed five easily that day uh the second half comes i think the best way to sum up the second half uh, more from Ben coming up in a moment, but I'm pleased to say, sneaking in while that video was on, is Woody. How are you, pal? Hey, hey, sorry I missed the Reese Evans thing. Um, I was one of those that fortunately had a, a personal thing to attend to. Um, but yeah, um, and now I can't wait to lay into Ben's. Why have I turned into a floating head? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a virtual background on. You're trying yeah, to make like you <laughs> Yeah, well, wait, this is what I was actually doing. Um, you know, now we're getting the mega bucks. Which is from, the uh, house. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've just got a whole new. In fact, I didn't even have to pay for this house. It's, it was all fifey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely not on my work laptop. Um, so the chances are the internet is going to go. <laughs> so, but recently, looking at looking back at all the episodes, everybody's internet seems to be playing up at the moment. So, um, except for mine. Um, so the uh, and yeah, and and yours and yours, I'll give you that, but yeah, mine's good. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, 
so so yeah, we've got more to to come from Ben's uh, Ben's two minute video in just a second. Um, Gar says, "Woody, you at Richie Rich's house?" <laughs> yes. Um, but Nick, before we we come back to part two of Ben's uh, spiel, uh, tell us because because uh, you had a, a very clear reaction, maybe just not quite as a uh, what was the word we were using passionate as Ben's. Yeah, he. Well, I listened to Lindsay's post match interview, um, and what I said was. The game must look very different from the back of the Arkles up high to pitch side because he said the reason he kept to the same team because he thought they played well against Tranmere. Well, if he thought that was a decent performance and he thought that the players did well, um, I don't know what he's talking about, to be honest. And I've been a big Lindsay supporter, as you know, and I've, I've said I've liked the decisions he makes in the way he operates. Um, but and I don't like picking out players, but um, Iandolo against Tranmere was poor and he was even worse against Crew. You know, he should have taken him off at half time, he was that bad. Um, and and to be you know, to be fair to Iandolo himself, he should have taken him off for you know, if for not any other reason because it was that poor. And I think it's only because he's thought of so highly at Swindon that he didn't get a lot of stick from the crowd. Now, if that had been certain other players, they would have got absolutely hammered. So, you know, I, I really felt for, for the lad on a personal level. Um, th five at the back, three at the back, whatever you want to call it. I think the biggest thing is Blake Tracy is totally ineffective. He comes through the middle, um, run, you know, takes the ball forward, and then he doesn't know what to do with it because there's nothing on. And he's left in no man's land. He's far more effective as a fullback. So we, you know, we just got to go back to a uh, back four. So I'm hoping Clayton and McDonald are fit for Crew, um, and they come back into the fold, and we go to a you know flat back four. And whether he plays, you know, uh, I would like to see Reed sat in front of the back four. And and then play you know a, a three and a two, and and still have our two up front, um, or send Lindsay a copy of England's video today, and you know follow that quick ball balls in the box. You don't need to look to cross a ball. If you get players you know attacking the box, then you're halfway there. So, I mean that. That was my worst game watching since Northampton, and I was really pissed off after the Northampton game. And I don't usually get that upset because, you know, been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, got the fucking tracksuit. Um, <laughs> but I was well pissed off coming out of that game Saturday. Um, so, and I had my lad in my ear as well. So, fucking hell, I've watched the last three games. I've seen one goal, and it's been absolute shite. I don't fucking pay for this anymore. So, bad day, more than a bad day in the office. It, in, and Lind I think Lindsay totally got it wrong. Um, and and not to have substitutes on earlier than he did, I mean, that was fucking criminal. You know, he, he should have put them on at half time. Yeah. And bringing Reed on to take that free kick, you know, it's like, well, we're not fucking American football and just have a specialised free kick taker. Uh, you know, beggar's belief, to be honest. So, 
yeah, I was as gutted as Ben was. Uh, Ned, uh, question come through there. Any news on Harry's injury? Obviously, we're not privy to that information, but from what I heard, he, he felt it tighten. They're hopeful it's not too serious, but it, it really is a shame for Kean, isn't it, that you know he finally gets what could become a run in the team and, and he's the latest centre-back to pick up an injury. Unbelievable, isn't it? Sod's, sod's bloody law. Um, but, but yeah, you know, his, his one stretch of you know, relatively consistent form. Um, and that happens. But yeah, I mean, that, being a centre-back at Swindon, that's what you kind of expect nowadays, isn't it? So uh, that's rather unfortunate. Um, yeah, I do feel sorry for him because he seemed like a really nice guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't watch the game pretty much at all at the weekend. Uh, I got to be you honest. You didn't have but... to with our WhatsApp group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, mate. I know, it's just, Lucky you. I um, you know, like I didn't look at the WhatsApp group for about an hour. Then there was like 112 messages or something. It's like bloody hell. <laughs> that <laughs> play, was play, just play then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we we're, we're now. It's not. It's not. Um, we're not in good form anymore, are we? And that's the the concern for me. We're now in a, a you know, to 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 use Ben's method of <laughs> manipulating the figures um what's that um if you include the fa cup one defeat game, and six ned one defeat and six no <laughs> no one point from three games is the one that i'm going to use um i would say yeah, that um, enough, he's probably under pressure um now um i i mean i personally think our team is you know it's 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 not as bad as um, people like Craig make out. <laughs> um, I, I think. I think. Um, I think it's. I think it's pretty decent. It's just there's just a couple of aspects which are not going right, and I think not getting enough people in the box when we're going forward is is one of the things that I would criticise. I think you know the the coherence, you know the um, you know the uh, understanding at the back is not quite there. Whether we're playing a you know a three or a four or whatever, um, but but yeah, I mean we're we're so close. I, I think we're so close to having a you know a really good really good squad. I you know to be honest, I think this squad could probably compete in League One if I'm completely honest because. When we're on our game, you know, we play any team off the park. Um, it's a big when, though, isn't it? But that's the problem, isn't it? That's that's the problem. You know, these are the questions that need to be answered. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll pass on to someone else because I can't really give any more insight um, into the crew game. Well, we've got part two of Ben still to come. And I've got a question specifically for him as well. So I'll go to Woody next. And, uh, and just say, picking up on something Ned said there, and we've mentioned it before, but Lindsay's made a rod for his own back, hasn't he? Because at the start of the season, he proclaimed that we were going to play a certain type of football. And bar maybe two, three games this season, that at least my interpretation and many people's interpretation of what that style is going to be is not what we've been served up. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think you've got it spot on there. I think Lindsay, you know, kind of said we were going to play this progressive attack in football and realistically we've only seen it in teams that have uh, seen it against teams that have allowed us to do it yeah. <laughs> um, like your Rochdales and, and things like that 
um, which are teams you would probably play progressive football against anyway, because you're just a lot better than them. Um, I think I, I'm not going to say because I think we have been consistent in our style now, but it's just not the style that Lindsay says. <laughs> yeah. um, but the problem is, is it is so difficult because this is why you know when we have these arguments about. Um, you know, the table, we shouldn't be looking at the table and all this kind of stuff yet. This is why I fundamentally disagree with it because three, three games ago, we're thinking, right, we're on a, such a good streak now. And all of a sudden, you know, we've only we've won, what, six out of nine or whatever it was, um, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And now, as as Ned's rightly said, we've now got one point in three, you know, and, and that's three games that have just gone like that. Mm-hmm. Three games that have just gone like that. Which and the problem is that this is why I say that every game matters. You know, every game it doesn't matter whether it's the first game of the season, the ninth game of the season, or the forty-fifth game of the season. Every single game matters because it's games like the crew game. I mean, I didn't go, but it's games like the crew game that I worry that that's going to cut those type of games are going to come back and bite us. You know, like um, yeah. I know I kind of get I kind of get Ben's points around maybe we look to the better side. But at the end of the day, as as Nick and I have alluded to before, there's only one stat that matters in a game of football, and that's the scoreline. And there's only one stat that matters in the season, and that's the table. Um, so it's um, and if if we're um, my bloody cat's pissing me off. I've got I swear it's my cat. Mine is too. Your cat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like if um, you know, at the end of the day, the only way you're going to win games is if you're better than them in their box. And uh, and uh, and you're better than them in our box. So it's um, and we weren't because we didn't score and they did. Uh, yeah. So, and I just think to lose one nil at home to a team like Crew, um, I'm sorry, but that doesn't scream progressive attacking football without looking at the stats. To be totally honest, no. And and we did have a, a laugh at some of the stats that were pointed out, more so because it was. Further irating Ben, who was doing a full-on fighting impression on Saturday. It was absolutely class for me to watch and, and really understand what you guys see when I go off on one. It's super. <laughs> let's uh, let's rejoin virtual Ben before we give real Ben a question and see what part two of his review had to say. Smashed five easily that day. Uh, the second half comes. I think the best way to sum up the second half was Ian Dollo's miss uh, when he misses that open goal. Um, from about seven yards. Uh, I think that summed up the performance, really. Uh, again, I thought it was pretty inept. Um, I thought we lacked ideas and creativity in the final third. Um, I think Crew's basic defending, uh, we couldn't get ahead round it. All they did was defend in numbers. Um, I think also what didn't help was uh, the refereeing. Um, you know what? Shithousing is a, a part of football now, and they did it to an exaggerated um, effect. Um, it was quite comical the way they were doing it, really. And they were let away to get the good. The referee just let them do it. He didn't one brandish one single yellow card uh, for any sort of time wasting or play acting. Um, so they're going to do it, and they're going to do it more and more. And the more they got away with it, the more they did it, and the more exaggerated they did it. You can't blame them for it because they're winning, and it was their way of shithousing, really, and getting the points. So you can't get angry at them. You just got to get angry at the official. So bizarre um, uh, officiating from him. Uh, I think a lot of blame to Lindsay as well. Um, I can't get my head round why he didn't try and change things up. Um, I don't get 
why Khan wasn't taken off. It wasn't his type of game. Um, it needed someone who controlled the tempo of midfield. Um, and he needed someone with a little bit of creativity and someone who could split a defence open. That game was built uh, for Reedy and he didn't get any sort of game time whatsoever. Um, he came on to take a free kick, which takes the piss, really. Um... Yeah, um, he he didn't try and switch things up. He didn't try and change formation. He did nothing. And I think what the most worrying thing about me as well it was the aftermatch performance. He thought the performance was pretty good, and we didn't get what you know we didn't earn. We didn't get what we deserved. Um, I don't think Crew deserved to win because I thought they were pretty poor. Um, I thought we probably were a little bit worse because they were there for the taking, and we were just pretty bad. Uh, it was inept. We should have been. We had 18 shots and goal, and we weren't even playing very well. That's that's more uh, that's more on crew, really. But yeah, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And I think that's up there one of the worst I've seen for a long time. Um, usually, I can get over defeats by the time I get the car. I'm not even properly over it now, and we've got to sit on that result, and we've got to sit on that performance now for two weeks. <sighs> Good old England. At least they cheered me up a little bit. But yeah, that was pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Carl says that Ben's twin Ben's twin brother is spot on. We should get him on more often. <laughs> and Mike says it looks like Ben is watching this video thinking that bloke talks a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, ben, obviously that video was shot a couple of hours ago. Um, um... Are you any more over it yet? Not really. I'm still pissed by it. I will be for the next two weeks. It's just, um, <laughs> I, I don't like, like, we're going into the season break and it was the perfect opportunity against a very bad side to just leave our little break on a high and go in to, you know, just enjoy yourselves for the next two weeks. And crew, I, I know people on the panel today weren't at this game. Crew were terrible. I mean, they didn't do anything to warrant getting anything out of that game. You usually think, oh, it backs the wall 1-0. They dug in and they defended really well. They didn't defend really well. They, they left players unmarked in the box. They let us get into really good positions. They gave the ball away in crucial areas. They, they just conceded zero goals. Did, yeah, but that's because of our fault. That was our fault. It wasn't because they defended valiantly and they put bodies on the line and they risked that you know they 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 ran through brick walls. Because they didn't to keep need to because they were one 0 up and we they didn't doing need to. Them. No, they were, they were <laughs> still giving the ball away in stupid areas. They're still letting us have free headers. They're still giving space in the box to our attackers. We just didn't take advantage of it. It was just an awful, 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 just completely mind-numbing, stupid attacking performance, and. You know, with the WhatsApp during the game, it's like, we will score today. I was, like, shouting on WhatsApp. You were? It's going to happen. We will score because this team is crap. So we just need to be a little bit better, and it's going to come. But that little bit better didn't come, so I just got cross. Ben, <laughs> ben as he so often does, appeared on Lower League Looks, uh, League 2606 last night, and uh, was adamant, absolutely adamant. It was not a well, penalty. I didn't um, think so, at the time it was a penalty. I was hoping it wasn't. Then a crew fan came on and I got in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Woody, Ned, I don't know if you've had a chance to see the footage yet, so I'll ask Nick first. Um, did you think it was a penalty? From where where I was, I'm saying, I'm right at the back of the Arkles by, by the press box. 
and I think it depends. It depends what um, position you can see the tackle. Um, initially, I said said no, but if you see it from another angle, it looks like a pen. Um, I think if you see it probably from the ref was, it probably you can see why he gave it. Um, see it from another angle, and did he get the ball? Didn't he? I'm, I'm not even sure. So, yeah, if it had been a, for us, we'd have been screaming for a penalty without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, in the end of the day, <laughs> the ref give it, so it was a pen. Simple, just that bastard. Well, We've all already watched enough World Cup to know that just because it's a pen doesn't mean it's a pen. That's for sure. But at the end of the day, that's what the stats say, isn't it? So, uh, would it, it cost net, us? Have, I, have either of you seen any of the angles? Any got got any comments? I've just uh, I've just watched it back actually because I couldn't remember, but then I remember I've watched it already. Um, to be honest, I think the ref should have given the goal <laughs> shortly afterwards. I think I think the ref um, blew his whistle too quick because we can't. You can't say that um, uh, Bryn has stopped because of the pen. He's not stopped. That's the finish that followed that foul was it was half decent. Sublime. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's it's looking at it. I agree with Nick. If it's us, we're sort of screaming it's a penalty. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it, it's a bit of a non-discussion because if he's not given the penalty, they've got a goal anyway. So, um, Ben, I said that there was a specific question I wanted to ask you. No, um, no, can you just shut up, mate? Can you just shut up? Oh, sorry. I, th- I thought Ned shook his head when he said about watching it. Sorry, Ned. I, I did see it, but you know, now Woody's saying about the should have given the goal. I mean, that's 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 that completely destroys the argument, doesn't it? Really? So. That's fine. Carry on. I've got nothing to say. <laughs> no, no. I feel, I feel terrible now. Please. Take a moment to say anything, even if it's not about the pen. Okay. Um, what I will say is before the game, uh, crew had only beaten us once at the county ground in 19 years. And then we do that. Yeah. That tells you everything you need right. to know, doesn't it? Carry on. Well done, Ned. <laughs> Ben, um, I'll, I'll, leave the, I'll leave the identity of the question out for the time being. Um, they haven't it. asked it. They haven't asked it to be specifically to you, but I want to put it to you. Uh, no, it wasn't, Liam. Uh, I'm sure you'll work out who it is. The question simply reads, please tell me I'm not the only one who is disappointed with Jeffcott and feel he offers us very little indeed. See... I was one of the few that singled out from the, actually played all right. The two strikers, Wakeley and Jeffcott, worked really hard. They had, each of them had about three defenders sat round them all game. And Jeffcott had to do a lot of his work dropping deep to win the ball. But he won the flick-ons, he won the headers. His passing was pretty good. He just couldn't get any, you know, he, he just didn't get the ball in good areas. I think uh, there was a few good balls whipped in by Hutton, but that was about it. There was nothing coming from Ian Dollar because he was just crap. But... Um, Wow, he, he was he was awful. Uh, I, I I defended him um, uh, for the last game against Tram. I thought everyone was a bit harsh on him, but no. Ian Dollar, he was he was awful. I think he was just. I think that was his worst game for the club the other day. He was just he needed to go off for for his own sake because you could see his confidence just draining throughout the game. I he should have been whipped off. I, I'm 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 really frustrated at Lindsay. Um, because he, he he just didn't do what was glaringly obvious and that was disappointing. Anyway, I, I'm going back into my ranting again, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah. but, 
Jeff Cobb, I think, was all right. Uh, he hit the bar. He was unlucky with the bar with the header that he hit. Um, I don't think the defeat's down on him, either the strikers. Um, and I think they worked tirelessly uh, for not a lot of reward. Um, so uh, it's the midfield that was the problem for us, not the strikers. Does, and this is probably aimed more at Nick and Ben, but of course, Woody, Ned, if you've got anything to throw in, is there any positives? I know it's hard from a defeat anyway, but with how negative everyone was about it, was there any positives we could take from the game? Hutton. Mm. Is, is he, um, and it, later in the game, he did, um, you know, what I suggested, put uh, Lavinia it right back and push Hutton further up. And, and, and I would like to see that, um, again, go to a flat back four, um, put Hutton is, if we're going four, three, three, put Hutton is uh, in the front three for his attacking powers. And, and then he's also got a bit of defensive cover as well. Um, so that, that again, that's probably the only positive. The, the rest of it was pretty much negatives, as, as Ben has said. Um, and obviously, as, the, the other thing is he had the chance when um, Harris went off uh, and we were struggling. That was the ideal time to go to a back four. And he, he persisted with five mm. at the back. You think, you know, it, it, well, I just couldn't understand it. And uh, It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it didn't work at the start of the season. It doesn't work no. now. Just get rid of it. Get rid of yeah. it. Don't do it again. We scored five at Mansfield playing a diamond. Do it again. Play <laughs> <laughs> diamond, for God's sake. Easier, if you want to play, two up front, play the diamond. Certainly easier said <laughs> than done. Um, let's, uh, let's move on then um, to next topic. And uh, coming soon to Fool's Rush In. Uh, as has been spoken about already... Uh, we are working on uh, a load more guests coming on, um, which has the potential to be very interesting. I mean, uh, Woody, I know you were were listening as best as you could, and, and Ned, you were as well. It was, it was fascinating listening to some of the stuff Reese had to say uh, earlier tonight. But uh, on Friday, we're not live, but we still have content for you. Um, it's the Fools Rush In podcast Christmas party on Friday, so we will all be out enjoying ourselves um, happy ned <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah happy. all right ned you, you, you're staying calm but we, ned can't we wait. he's most excited about this from all of us <laughs> i've realized i've realized that i don't because it's still november i don't want to call it christmas uh christmas party it's a fools rushing world cup party fools can't he's got a christmas tree behind him as, oh. as Reese correctly pointed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed the reasoning. Did Reese notice? He did. Yes, he, he mentioned he mentioned that uh when I said could he back me up that England are going to win the World Cup, he said you're also the sort of person that has their Christmas tree up on the 21st of December, uh, November. <laughs> oh bless him. Um, I look forward to watching that. But we do have an episode for you on Friday. And uh, it involves this gentleman. Annie Wilson is a well-known figure in the game, particularly here in the West Country. His four years at Bristol City ended in 2004. He's now at the helm at Swindon Town. You know, I think we're all different. All managers are different, you know, and, uh, and, and 
you know, managers, you know, they, they come and go, as you well know, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm experiencing that uh, position as well, like, you know, but, but when you go into a place, you know, you, you, you try and, and, uh, and, and, and do things that you would like it to be carried on with, and it's not just introducing after three or four months, you know, you try and do it straight away. A golden opportunity. Well, would you believe it? Really, he should be hitting the target at the very least there. I think this takes a bubble. Look at this ball just sit up as he goes to hit. Football management, you've got more and more experience. Does it get any easier? No, it gets, it gets more difficult, Jeff, I promise you. Um, I, think the, um, I think what makes it more difficult is the expectations of, uh, of, of every club and every fan um, up and down the country. And, the, and, and particularly what's more important really is the, is the time span. You know, the, um, the time span of managers is getting less and less. You know, we're, we're mad, we keep coming back for more, don't we? But um, um, it, it's, it's just the way it is, I think. We, we're just... We just built that way in management, but um, but it's certainly getting tougher, I would say. Yes, earlier this morning, uh, Rich, Kieran, uh, Nick, and Ben all got to spend time with Danny Wilson and asking lots of questions. Uh, Nick, you, you've started to have your say, so we'll just quickly ask Ben how how did you find the experience this morning. Uh, Danny Wilson is a lovely man, absolutely lovely man. And um, yeah, it's just a few memories of his time at Swindon, especially that season 2009-2010, which is personally one of my favourites. It's, it's an also nearly season, but there's some great memories. Um, and it, was, it was just a good chance to him. And he's he, he, he's a good bloke He's and um, he's got a few stories to tell and um, it's worth watching. It's, it's a bit of a different angle to most of the others because he's done a few social medias. So it's worth watching because it's original. It's good. OK, uh, Nick, uh, sell it for us. Uh, you, you were obviously there for the full hour or so that, that you guys got with Danny. Um, and, and just uh, just again, for his own ego massaging, to, uh, tell us how good Rich was at, at hosting the event. Well, Fifey, um, you've got to be worried because... Uh, He's after the job. Well, to be uh, fair, mate, last time someone told me to worry about someone taking my job, Craig ended up doing Twitter spaces. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, being serious, Rich did a cracking job. Um, it, it went really well. Um, I think we were all a bit nervous. Um, you know, you, you've got, like Ben said, um, Danny Wilson is, is such a top bloke. Um, very relaxed. Um, he said nothing was off the table. Um, I think we asked him, you know, a, a few different questions and he's been asked previously, um, which I think, you know, I think they came across well. He answered them honestly. He gave us a bit of an insight into him as a manager. Um, we got a good feel of him as a person on how he handled people. He gave us some uh, details of things that happened behind the scenes, um, which was, was very interesting. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is, uh, you know, obviously I should watch it again. It's not Friday, um, but it is a, an absolute must to watch. And, uh, you know, I think that's the most enjoyable podcast. No disrespect to any of the other podcasters. That's the most enjoyable one I've been on. It was absolutely brilliant. But did you ask him if he's had, you know, um, whatever it is on his testicles? Um, DP. DP on his testicles. <laughs> No, no, but we did. No. We, he was. Um, you'll see, there is a, a slightly different question right at the end, and uh, I'll let you find out what that is. Yeah, when it's played. 
Danny Wilson's testicles was not on, on the table, though. It was Rich's. That's how Rich's gauge everybody was here. <laughs> it wasn't that up close and personal. <laughs> <laughs> Genitalia was not brought up in the conversation. Uh, Unlike Ian yeah. Harry's. <laughs> very true. Very, very yeah. true. Uh, but yes, uh, please do keep your eyes and ears peeled for more announcements of, of guests and other things we've got planned. It was... Hopefully. I was just sorry, Fife. I was just thinking it is great. I spoke to one of my old players' parents yesterday, and she said that she's just started watching our podcast. So if she starts, if she watches tonight, testicles <laughs> have come up twice. <laughs> <laughs> I did warn her, I did say you're going to see a totally different side of me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to have a very strong end to end of 2022. Um, and, and hopefully you'll all find it enjoyable. And, and that starts with the, uh, the exclusive Danny Wilson interview uh, being live on YouTube uh, on Friday um, while we're all out at our World Cup stroke, not Christmas party, um, <laughs> fully embracing all the Christmas songs. Um, I'm going to tell him the Christmas jumper, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas jumper then? I might do. I might do. I've got a Christmas waistcoat. I don't know. I'm not sure I might turn up on it. Um, there was some breaking news earlier today, and I'm actually glad that you were able to to jump on, Woody. I, I spotted this while I was setting up. Um, I, I hadn't seen it yet, but we'd been asking for it. We'd hoped it would happen. It didn't look like it would. And then all of a sudden they announced that the, uh, the Women's FA Cup game has been moved to the county ground Sunday, 1pm. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Um, you know, fair play to everybody behind the scenes um, at the at, well, at both clubs, arguably, even though we're one, they're one club, um, etc. But it's um, you know, I think it's going to be a great spectacle as well. I think I don't know if anybody saw Alice and Ree were on the supporters club earlier, um, and what was quite insightful about that was Vic was given quite a good insight on. Um, how Plymouth support the women's game down there um, as well. You know, Plymouth and Exeter are very supportive of the women's game. Um, so it's going to be very, be quite interesting to see how many Plymouth bring, to be honest, as well. I think they're going to um, definitely, well, definitely bring more than Poulton did, bless them. Um, but the, um, but yeah, I think uh, it's, it's great news. Um, you know, two games already this season. I know they're FA Cup games. I know it's a break, but you've got to take every opportunity you can. Um, you know, and um, as Mate, I'm buzzing because yeah. I've I've already put my name down. I said I'm going because I'm in Swindon. I'm in Swindon at the weekend. I'm going to that game. I will be. I will be there as well. I will be. Um, I will be joining you. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a great occasion for the club again. Hopefully, a decent game of football. What I will warn everybody, it will be a lot tighter than, than the Bolton <laughs> game a, a few weeks back. Um, but hopefully, a really good good game of football. Um, and as Alice said, everybody put your roasts on hold, get yourself down to the county ground on, on Sunday, uh, one o'clock kickoff. I think it's three pound entry. Come on, three pound to watch Come some, to, to watch some decent football, get yourself down there. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be a good, good game and hopefully a good atmosphere. 
no, absolutely. I just wish I'd been given a few more hours notice and we could have hopefully have sorted out some additional guests to preview it as well. But uh, I, I did, maybe I did oh, think that I was on the as you know, I've been I had some personal issues to attend to and I was thinking, oh, shall I try and get hold of somebody to see if I can get them on tonight? And um, and then I remembered, obviously, we had re sevens on. So I was like, oh, by the time, you know, it's going to be like half nine by the time we're going to be able to get any other one. Um, so it would be, um, it would probably be a bit late, but I'm sure we could probably uh, um, get something from them on the day, maybe, or, or whatever. Um, I'm sure we could probably get a, a full Russian uh, TikTok shout out, whatever you want to do with, with Beth, if, uh, if she's in the squad. No, absolutely. Um, we, I'm sure we'll, we'll come up with something. Uh, I have seen that there's an announcement that uh, Sir Tom Broadbent are doing uh, various coverage of it. So uh, hopefully that will go swimmingly well and, and gets the reaction it deserves. But uh, there will certainly be some FRI content coming from it in some description as well. Uh, we're not here to step on anyone's toes. We're all fans trying to enjoy the game. Uh, and that is what we will endeavor to do um, but yes i will be there woody will be there and i'm sure there'll be a fair few other fools around as well watching that one on sunday afternoon 1 p.m three pound entry bargain for an FA cup game do you, well. know, do you know what the funny thing is though the one of the annoying thing is is the is obviously the last time on the saturday so oh woody how <laughs> oh, is it gone there it is oh no oh, no, no. Is it gone again Gone again. Back. Yay! Hey. Um, ironically, the development team are away to Plymouth this weekend as well. So um, it'd be quite interesting to see uh, who, who, who turns up for either side um, as well. Um, hopefully, hopefully, our Beth gets the game in the first team. Um, Let's hope weekend. so. Go on, Beth. Uh, yes, go on, Beth. <laughs> Um, lads, we've been going for over two hours already, but there's one last thing to cover, um, and that is uh, a little World Cup review. Uh, for those who've been watching recent episodes, Woody is very concerned that at the non Fools Rushing Christmas party, he is very much going to be on the shots because England decided to attack and attack at will against an Iran side who a ranked 20th in the world, apparently. And if that is the case, fuck me, everyone under 21 is, is fucking bollocks of football. <laughs> because, uh, and, and what was interesting about this, and I'll get all your... We'll, we'll go through various aspects of the game. Um, but I, I, for my sins, because uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, um, I had uh, talk sport on, on the way back to my son's martial arts class after the game. And uh, I think it was Carlton Cole and Darren Bent were on, I think. And uh, I think it was Carlton Cole was saying, had it have been 4-0 or even 1-0, he would have been quite content. The fact it finished 6-2, he's still left a bit frustrated because England have conceded two that they didn't need to concede. Um, and, and I actually agreed with it, to be honest. Um, I was like, both of those goals were stupid. Um, but let, let's talk England first before we talk. I mean, we I think uh, Holland have won. Wales got a draw, I believe, tonight against America while we've been on this. Mm. And, uh, well, do we even want to discuss the shambles of the opening game? Me and Woody had a lot to say on it yesterday, that's for sure. Um, but let's uh, let's go to Ned first. England, job done. 
Yeah, I I was hang on, am I on mute? I'm not on no, mute. No, no, you're fine. No, no, can you hear? Um yeah, I I was um pleasantly surprised. Um I was so pleasant oh no, I, I do you know what I can't say because uh, if anyone from my work if you just watched it off of record, Ned, in the last oh, yeah, hour. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You watched the playback. Yeah, when I watched the playback, um, I uh, fell asleep in the second half, which is unbelievable because, you know, we play some decent football. That's five goals in the that first. second half. But, um, but what we got to remember as well is that um, Iran were without their star player as well. So let's just bear that in mind. Yeah, but one um, player doesn't make a team, Ned, and they needed 11 of them to be any good. This is true, but... This is also true for Wales. So, um, <laughs> Johnny Williams, I'm talking about, obviously. Um, what a wonderful play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, no, I, th- I think, um, yeah, absolute job done. I, I, you know, I, I know that it would be best if we kept clean sheets, but I mean, can you really complain when we scored six goals? Yes, it wasn't the, like the two goals we conceded were awful. Me. But if we win the final four three, I don't couldn't give a blooming rat's ass. Do you know what I mean? Um, I you know as long as we're winning by plenty of goals, then I'm re- I'd rather see six twos than one nils. I've got to be honest. Um, and it was just it was just nice. Um, it was just nice to have multiple goals. Because we're not used to that with England, are we? So, I, I like that. I like it. It was good. Well done. No. Well done. The three rounds. And, and on that point, it, it was nice. Uh, one one thing they were referring to is obviously Saka. It was good for him to to get the the kind of chip off his shoulder that the last sort of tournament football was obviously the penalty and stuff, Nick. And so he's come back and and almost that they suggested was was that his prove a point moment. Rashford the same, you know, not been in the, not been in the any England squad since that that final, and and he came, he had three touches of the ball, been on the pitch for about seventy seconds, and he was on the score sheet. Uh, I don't think Harry, Harry Kane's got, I don't know how many assists already, but he's not scoring. So imagine what happens when he gets firing. It's it's all quite rosy from an attacking perspective, Nick, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and. Um... They, on the commentary, they said that was uh, each of those players was the first World Cup goal that they've scored. So uh, all five of them, which was uh, you know that's that's a real real positive. Um, but I saw um, Southgate's interview afterwards, and he sounded just like Craig. He was fucking miserable because we conceded two <laughs> goals, and he said he's a hard man to please. He's a bit you know he was. He, you can see he was pissed off that we let two goals in. Um, he said we shouldn't have; they were poor, and uh, which is good. I'm, you know, I'm glad he said that because um, he knows against better sides we can get exposed, and uh, you know that's something that they can work on. But attacking wise, oh yeah, you know, isn't that what we've all been asking for from an England side? Yeah. And uh, yeah, in the quality of the goals and um, uh, Grealish's goal. Um, with Wilson, fair play to him because most other players would have been what yeah. five five one up would have hammered that, tried to hammer that in. Mm-hmm. He, he pulled it back for an easy tap in. So you know that shows there's there is a good 
uh, team ethic in there. And if we can continue with that, you know, all well and good. So uh, I hope he sticks to the back four on previous discussions and he doesn't <laughs> revert to his three at the back. Um, because it looks like he did that because Walker was injured, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I would just love us to absolutely spank the USA on Friday. <laughs> um, Woody, I was actually going to bring up the, the Wilson for Grealish situation for you, but as as Nick's covered it there, let, let's talk about Bellingham because I mean, I, oh, I, I was, yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, watching it with a mate and and I was like he is like without question the best player on the pitch yeah um that boy and he is still a boy um, <laughs> um that boy if he carries on will have a balloon door by the time he's 22 um, balloon door or whatever they're called balloon door ballon door ballon door yeah balloon door is that his 19th birthday party is he just walks yeah. through the balloon door yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright lads, calm down right. <laughs> Can't wait till I pick you up on your fucking grammatical errors And pronunciations and all that. Right um, So, yeah He, absolute superstar um, And I think I was, I was chatting to somebody at work about it earlier That It's no coincidence that This guy's playing well when he doesn't play in the Premier League um, you know, I think it makes a massive difference when you've got international players that have played in other national mm. divisions. And I, you know, we're starting, to, and I, 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 it made me think back to all of kind of all of the England teams we've had. A lot of them have kind of been quite rooted to the Premier League. Um, you know, and you just think of some of the really successful teams, um, you know, that have had players that are kind of dotted around everywhere and, and, and things like that, like Argentina's and Brazil's and all of that. So I, I just, it just made me think, you know, whether I'm right or wrong on it, but it just made me think kind of, you know, that has to have an impact, you know, obviously due to fabulous player. And I think his younger brother's coming through is not too bad yeah, either yeah. by all accounts. Um, so maybe he's just lucky to come from a, from a, a very good footballing family. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never been so happy to eat my hat, to be totally honest. Um, you know, apart from the fact that I didn't watch a single fucking minute of the game. Um, <laughs> that was the only only annoying thing. And the thing is, I was delivering an interview and uh, the way our building is shaped, it's like, a, like you go, it's like a, just a big square. So from one end, you can see a meeting room and you can see the other meeting room kind of if you look behind you. And... Um, one thing that just absolutely cracked me up was I was interviewing this poor person who's probably absolutely nervous because it's her second interview. And then all of a sudden, a load of people that were watching it in the meeting room behind us went, yes, when it was like one nil up. And I, I couldn't help it. I literally couldn't help but There was no professionalism whatsoever. I just went... <laughs> and what made it even worse i then started coughing so then i took i was like I, I really need to go out and have a drink of water so she thought i'd fucked off to go have a look at the bloody <laughs> i was like oh God, this is like, this just is give her the job <laughs> yeah, it's like, well that's a worry a bit <laughs> um, but yeah no and uh, you know i'm absolutely i'm i'm chuffed that i'm proven wrong um i still don't I'm not going to get carried away. Me and Garv had a bit Go of an exchange on Twitter on. earlier. Um, I, did, I still Go on, tell us you tell us you're on board HMS Piss the group. I'm on, I'm on board. We're still going to win the World Cup. That'll do. I said that. I said that last week. Um, but 
and I've said that ever since. But I don't think I still. I'm sorry, but Iran were. I know you play what's in front of you, but Iran were fucking shite. Even on the highlights, <laughs> even you know, like oh, it, you know, it's, we kind of gifted them two goals. I know one of them was a questionable penalty, but you know, if if we got that penalty in the first half, the second one's their penalties are penalties. So it's you know, it's it's, it's pulling and pulling and throwing, but. Um, I just, yeah, I think um, I still think I, I'm still think I'm still going to go one nil on Friday. Um, I don't, I don't think you're going to be buying me many shots. Um, and if I'm proven wrong, hella fucking Eula. <laughs> if you're proven wrong, you're in for a good night, Friday. Yeah, that's for exactly. sure. Exactly. Uh, I'll get the other guys' predictions in a minute. But Ben, as you're very much on your soapbox tonight, uh, let me throw a couple of topics at you and, and see what you think. Number one. Harry Kane didn't wear the rainbow armband because essentially FIFA told him not to. Uh, uh, well, every single player that was going to wear an armband gets branded a yellow card before the game starts. Now, I understand why they didn't because one tackle and you're suspended for the next game and you got a red card. Um, so I understand why they didn't. I think it's just poor show on FIFA who promote this uh, facade of football for all when it's absolute bollocks um yeah uh, i don't care that it's frowned upon that gay you know gay people are frowned upon in Qatar. don't have the football tournament in Qatar. then they made their bed i'm sorry if Qatar got to host a world cup they've got to accept that there's gay people in the world and that there's gay people that are going to be play football sorry ben um, just because we we've pulled Woody up already to comedy effect, where's the World Cup being held? Qatar, 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 Qatar. It's like I, I can only hear Ben say Qatar a couple more times. I was saying, if you're making a cup of tea, Ben, I'll have it. I say car. And Sorry, they're the, the playing the World Cup in Mordor. Was that? I'd take your point. <laughs> the second one I wanted to ask you about, while while we while we've got emotional Ben with us, um, mm. the the goal their goalkeeper had a rather unfortunate collision, which which made for a very lengthy stop in the first half. Um, Concussion protocols came into play, yet he was allowed Rush to stay on the pitch ridiculously Rush for another three minutes. Rash should have stood on and just gone like he goes off protocol. Get off, you can't. Just and, get and off. Just called it there. Just called him off. The fact he stayed on the pitch, I could not believe what I him off and We carry on without him. It's Rash should have said, right, you play without a goalkeeper, or he goes off. You sub him. You know, it's just. He, uh, I think ref should have stood down and say, look, he, he's got a serious bang for the head. He doesn't even know what week it is. His eyes are rolling about all over the place. You know, he, there's absolutely no way. Same goes for Maguire as well. And he did go off um, rightfully, um, which I also think that same time they scored their first goal, uh, they said Maguire was seeing double. So. Well, apparently, I, I, I heard Southgate say afterwards, Maguire's wasn't concussion. He, he'd, felt, he'd felt sick. Um, there, there was something like he'd he'd become ill. Uh, I'm not sure what what had caused it, but there was some sort of illness, and that's why they brought him off. Well, of course, they're feeling a bit funny. England scored six goals in a World Cup game. This is nosebleed territory, you know. The, uh, the third one for you, Ben. The, yeah. the third and final one for you. Woody's already kind of mentioned it. Um, 
Opening minutes, England don't get given a penalty by VAR. And then in the closing minutes, Iran get one for more or less the exact same thing. Well, there's actually a real rule, um, a, a rule in, in this World Cup. Is though for um, one play in a game, you're allowed to interpret another sport. So <laughs> just for one play in a game. So Qatar played the rugby card. So for that one play, they're allowed to play rugby. Okay. So that's why they're allowed to do that rugby tackle. And that's what the ref, that's why it didn't go to VAR. Because yes. they just went, it's we're playing our rugby card. So I can't I can't I can't wait until Southgate plays the Quidditch card. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> flying everywhere. Harry <laughs> Kane and his little broomstick. Go on. <laughs> um but yeah, apparently so... that was the case. But no, seriously, that was a blatant penalty. What, what you how how that cut how the AR is not given that. If that was if, if that was Well they didn't didn't even look at it, did they? I'll be honest. It, I'm. I'd be more happy if neither were given than both, personally. Yeah, I. Oh, you don't want you don't want wrestling in the six yard box. You can't grab a forward and pull him down to the ground like that. You can't. It doesn't. The, the penalty that was against us happens in every single corner in every single match. There's always a little bit of circling. You, you give a penalty. You give about twelve penalties a match if you give that penalty. And the other one was a rugby tackle. So in theory, England won seven one. But God. Um, Woody's already said he's uh, he's back in England for a 1-0 win on Friday night uh, Nick, score prediction England-USA 3-1 3-1, uh, Ben 2-0 England, a bit more conservative this time Okay, Ned 3-0 3-0, I'm going to go I think I'm going to go 3-1 3-1 uh, for me uh, and then we'll be fully on board HMS Pista Group because then it's just Wales left. Um, One thing's for sure: England will fight and win. So, can we can we all change that? That we all say England lose because our predictions are so fucking crap. Whenever we say <laughs> across the board it's a win, what happens? Uh, a la we crew. lose. Yeah, yeah. Allah crew. Nick. Nick, that's exactly I, I why believe, I've gone for 1-0, mate. Believe, I believe that we will win. <laughs> um, let's, uh, we'll, we'll conclude with just looking a bit wider picture. We mentioned some of the other results, and, and uh, Garv's got it right, uh, pretty much bang on here. VAR got the first decision of the tournament wrong five minutes into Qatar v Ecuador. Um, Woody, let's start with you, because me and you were very much on the same wavelength of this, including an accusation. Uh, from myself, that the silhouette that eventually got shown was from a different game entirely. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, right, um, I, I think I, I think I went to Twitter on this. Like, and that's yes, unlike you. Yeah, unlike me. And yes, given the current offside rule, you could argue that it might have been offside. But I genuinely believe they need to change the rule. They need to change. You can't. I just, I just look at it and I go, right, if you think of like offences in the game, a bad, ta a bad foul, you improve a tackling technique. You know, um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head at the moment. But, you know, other offences, foul throws. Foul throw was going to be my example. Yeah, yeah, all of those kind of things. You can think, you cannot tell a player to go, mind you, when you're pushing up against that line, make sure your fucking knee's onside. You can't <laughs> say that to a player. You, you can't coach that. Um, you know, and I just think, I, the more I think about it, the more it winds me up because I just think that 
the game is just going to turn into unless you are the far a far striker, you ain't got a chance up front because you you're going to need to be at least a yard off the player every single fucking time because it mm. seems that whenever you're level, you're not actually level. You're you're offside, and I think for me, I think if they're going to carry on using VAR as closely as they are. The rule needs to change. It needs to be either get that daylight rule back in. Yeah, like the daylight yeah, rule type it. thing. That needs to come back in because VAR. Remember, the original implementation was of uh, the clear and obvious. That was the original implementation of VAR. There is no mm. way a lino has gone. I think that might have been. I've given it offside. Oh no, mate, you're completely wrong. That was never offside. There's no argument. Nobody in the fucking world thought that was offside, except for fucking. Pierre Luigi or whatever his fucking name is in the the Italian VIR officials, just because they're fucking still sour, they didn't get into the World Cup. They're just sat there going like, "Oh, we're just going to give fucking willy nilly now. We're not going to bother fucking fucking out." I mean, there's seven people in there that thought it was offside. Seven people. I can't even name seven people in the fucking whole of the UK that thought that was offside. (laughs) Fucking ah, fucking ah, Bellens. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it really gets to me. This VAR, we have to change the rule. That is that is the one stipulation. We're not going to get rid of VAR. It's not going to go. But they have to change the rule if they're going to keep it. They, they have to change the rule. Woody, would you uh, on 3-0 Ecuador by any chance? <laughs> yes. yes. Do you know what made it worse? Fucking Ivan Tony told me it was going to be 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Ned, what do you think to this that's just gone through from Mike? Give each team free VAR referrals used by the manager. So, uh, what, like a similar thing to, I guess, like tennis? Tennis, so where you can challenge. You can challenge and then... Well, same with cricket, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite like the idea. Um, to be honest, I think that's the way they should have done it anyway. Because um, <laughs> I, I think, you know... <laughs> balance. Um, I I think the it, you know it it shouldn't be used for everything for sure. I just think if there's a a big decision that they think they've got wrong, then they challenge it. I think that's the way. I think that's the way it should be used. It's just because you know, as Woody just ranted about a second ago, you know, it it was supposed to be clear and obvious, but that's so open to interpretation, isn't it? I mean, like, what's clear and obvious? Well, he's offside by a centimetre, so he's offside. But it's not clear and obvious. Um, you know, or a penalty decision. Well, you know, if it wasn't clear and obvious, then it shouldn't be given. But it was a penalty. So I, I don't know. For me, it's just... I, I think they should revert to, like, a challenge thing. You know, each team gets three each. Every time they get it wrong, then they lose one. Or they get two each and they lose one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I don't I don't know how they're going to get it. You know, going all across all the, you know, on like League One, League Two, because they're going to require. About... Well, put it this way: the the referees generally aren't very good at this level, and that's not me being harsh on referees. It's it's a proven fact by nobody likes the referees at this level. So imagine having someone who's not good enough to be the referee in the room <laughs> telling the referee that he's done the job wrong. Exactly. I mean, what really needs to happen, and I don't understand why this hasn't happened already, is why can't they get like ex professionals? To well, it's been said all along, referee. hasn't it? 
you know, start yeah, paying them a decent he, wage. Even then, Ned, if you, if you listen to some of the commentary games and there's been an incident and you, you'll have one ex-pro saying, yes, it was a penalty, and you'll have another ex-pro sat next to him say, no, it wasn't a fucking penalty. So they're no better than the, ref the referees sat in wherever it is making a decision. So I don't even think that would help. But they would also have to go to, you know, whatever the refereeing college is to learn all the rules and, you know, how to make correct decisions. But they've also got the experience of the game as well. I've, for me, that's a no-brainer. You know, like players who had to quit the game due to injury and all this sort of stuff, who still have, you know, a modicum of fitness. You know, that's the kind of person I'd want to, you know, if we're going to make the, the referee's job in the Championship, League One, League Two, as a professional, full-time, well-paid referee, that's the... Sorry, I'm going off on a complete tangent. I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, okay. in, in, in theory, Ned, but it won't fucking work. Just scrap the fucking whole thing, which ain't going to happen. Then. Sorry, Ned. I just wanted to say, you can't have VR, VAR until it's 100% foolproof. And well, you won't have it even with the replays. We'll get rid of it. Yeah, you can, even with the replays that you're watching now, when you've got the person who's who's playing the through ball or whatever, and until we've got sensors on the foot telling whenever they've left the ball, because they always freeze it as he's kicking it. Well, in my point of view, that means he's still in control of the ball. And if he's still in control of the ball, then whoever the other player the ball's going to is not offside yet because he's not kicked it yet. So until the ball's left the actual player's foot, until we get to the precise point the ball has left the the, the, the player's foot to, who's playing the through ball, it, you, you can't really judge whether it's offside or not. So it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. You can't gauge it. So just scrap it. Keep goal line technology. Get yeah. rid of VAR. You're going to have – you're getting wrong decisions with VAR anyway. We saw that today. You're going to get wrong decisions with VAR. So just leave it to human error. And shit happens, which unfortunately it, I, I can take better than a VAR decision because if that game, those two decisions happened today, we were lucky because it was against Iran. If that happened against Germany in the semi-finals, we're spewing um, because it's a difference of winning a World Cup or not. So just get rid of it. Get rid of it, honestly. Just keep going well. on technology. That's worked because that 100% is foolproof. VAR isn't. Offsides aren't, so scrap it. I think as well, like, I'm not saying if we, you know, because I don't think we are going to get rid of it, but use it as an assist, as it's meant to be, an actual assisted tool to the referee mm. to allow the referee to have one more look, one more look at the linesman referee, whatever, to have one more look. And if he still thinks he's offside or he's still... Yeah, he doesn't need 25 looks. No, because it makes thing. it... it makes, how can it be a clear and obvious error when uh, when you're looking at 15 different angles? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, you know, so I just think that the referee... I think Germany did it, and I'm sure they did. The German Bundesliga did it, didn't they? Where they... The ref... If it was a VAR decision, the ref got something like 30 seconds <laughs> to look at the snapshot of the video, and then that was it. And he, yeah. you know, and that's fine. I'm fine with that because of the pace of the game and things like that. That kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, to have all these lines and angles, lines that don't even match the lines on the fucking grass <laughs> markings on the pitch and shit like that. It's just yeah, it's yeah. So I mean, this is why I love non-league football because non-league <laughs> football will never have VAR. 
So to, to conclude the, the conversation and the episode then, guys, we, we've seen groups A and B. We've got uh, Ecuador and Holland both on three points in group A. Uh, England on three, USA, Wales on one, um, and Iran on none. Have, have we? Do we think there's potential that we've seen um, just in the, the the couple of games we've seen so far a potential winner of the World Cup? Yeah, England. Possibly England. I'll England tell you what, do one look thing, like one thing though. I don't. I'm not worried at all for against uh, Senegal and Netherlands. Absolutely yeah. not worried yeah. if we come up against Dog them. Shit, they? Yeah, I thought that was a really crap game of football. I'm really annoyed that that's the only game I've managed to watch pretty much all of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it nine in the morning tomorrow, or uh, yeah, is it nine nine in the morning? Argentina, is it Argentina nine? tomorrow? Yeah. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Is it? Yeah. That, can I can good. I just say on our predictions on my Super Six League, I said England three one. Netherlands 2-0, USA-Wales 1-1. One, one. So tomorrow, I've got Argentina 4-0, Denmark 3-0, Mexico 3-1. Okay. Lots of goals. Lots of goals. Lots of goals indeed. Um, well, that is coming up towards two and three quarter hours of an episode thank you to anyone who has stuck who has stuck with us through the entirety of, <laughs> of the episode uh we very much appreciate it we uh thank you very much of course to reese evans for joining us for so long and talking so openly uh rich here on earlier Woody, Ben, Ned, and, and Nick, who Nick was putting something like five and a half hours of full time today. Uh, just three dog walks as well. I'm fucking knackered now. Um, Speaking of dogs, can I just say thank you for my dog for pissing on my leg whilst we was uh, recording. <laughs> you want to do something ago. about that dog? <laughs> uh, the, kick, kick, the... kick it in the bollocks. It'll that'll sort it out. <laughs> No! 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 Rub DP, rub DP on his name. Yeah. 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 Fuck's sake, what way to end the episode? Do not have a hate kicking of dogs. Hang on, what does he say? Good watch tonight, Jets. I have automated subtitles on. I've never seen so many. <laughs> wow, come up on my screen. I totally read that wrong and thought she said she'd never seen so many cunts on her screen. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. There's a few more there. Uh... <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> if we're going to start putting in five, six hour shifts, we're going to have to start invoicing you soon, buddy. Yeah? Okay. You keep yes. invoicing me for all that Z-list celebrity fame you've got as well. Yeah. Um, on yeah. that... Uh... On that note, thank you to everyone. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> um, the Danny Wilson episode will be premiered on YouTube Friday night. We will be at our Fools Rushing World Cup party, um, but I'm sure we'll see some of you either out and about or, uh, or at the women's game on the Sunday. From everyone involved at Fools Rushing, thank you for what has been an extended episode, and we will see you again live next Monday. Good night. Yes. Take my hand Take my whole life too But I can't help 
Hallelujah.